Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Grap Up, that once in a while pro wrestling podcast for your friends at linktothecast.eu. I'm your host for this evening, Dave Ryan, joined on the line as I am all the time, all the time, by the man who nearly drowned in a valley of tears this weekend listening to the new brand new album. It's Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? So I've got at least two hours of uh, upbeat and optimism as I talk about professional wrestling, so... Yeah. Nothing to be downbeat about in the world of professional wrestling at the mm. moment. And as always, on this show, we are joined by a, a stellar panel of guests. First, we got the Roman Reigns of audio. That is Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> good, good. Good to hear from you again, friend. And we are joined by uh, arguably Limerick's favorite son with that bloody Wogan out of the way. It's Barry Murphy. How are you, Barry? Yeah, he's been immortalized with a statue, which I have not yet. So uh, I'll be staging a little uprising in Limerick City Centre tomorrow at around 3pm. If anyone wants to join me, let's take it down. Your protest will definitely be about the statue, will it? Say what? Your protest will definitely be about the statue and nothing else, right? Nothing else, no, no. Well, well, it'll be about one other thing, and that's me. That's so, so are, you, are you planning to drag it down? Are you basically claiming that Terry Wogan at one point owned slaves in Limerick? I mean, I'm not saying that definitely happened, but that is the wives' tale around <laughs> around the city. You know, there were so. less slaves, more acolytes of Wogan. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know, uh, the the history books will prove me right. So <laughs> they, they the right cast to their foreheads like uh, like those dudes <laughs> from Game of Thrones and the Faith Militant. Oh yeah, I've actually, I've actually, I'm only recently getting caught up on Game of Thrones, so I'm all about those guys right now. I see. I will say nothing else. Yeah, I'm halfway. I'm halfway through season six. I, I've been toying with now that now I actually must. Uh, there's a screenshot of a conversation myself and Jack had that had a light spoiler for an episode last week, but it was one of Jack the, the greatest texts I've ever received in my life. Jack knows what the line is, so I, I think I'm going to tweet that out tonight because it's it, fucking great. If if you don't want spoilers for Game of Thrones, you should absolutely watch me because I can guarantee I would never watch an episode. So, <laughs> but that Game of Thrones is not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about. We're not. Uh, All right, bye guys. <laughs> the the crazy world of professional wrestling it's been a while since we've done one of these i think it was june the last time uh, around the time of super strong style in that time we've had the rise and fall of mike canellis yeah oh god there's, there's oh, so I much to... forgot about that oh my <laughs> god how could rights. you possibly so um we'll start off with wwe uh, as we often do and i, I think i probably to, to kick off this conversation before we get into SummerSlam and nxt um with I, I think a feeling that's shared by by everyone here and that's like i'm going through one of the the kind of coldest periods i've been on wwe's product in many many years i think like i was trying to think back the last time i've watched this little wwe tv this consistently and I'm probably, it was probably that era, like right before the Nexus. Where where yeah. was the Nexus and the core? Yeah, like no, well, before the like the the Nexus invasion, the the original, you know, when they came on Raw and destroyed the place. I think like there was a period right before that where I was watching almost nothing. Um, and, and I'm kind of right back to that level now where most weeks I'm not even looking at the highlights of Raw. Like I'm, I'm listening in to Observer Radio to hear what Big Dave's saying, to hear if there's anything I might be interested in. 
But uh, honestly, I, I've not been, I, with the exception of, I, I watch NXT here and there, but because that's only an hour's commitment. But other than that, um, is, is everybody else kind of kind of feeling that, Mark? Where are you with the product at the moment? I, I have an exact routine that I follow weekly, which is um, after the television shows, uh, I'm on to 411 Mania. Uh, I'm reading the TV reports. If Larry Sonka gives anything that's kind of verging on three and a half, I'll go and check it out. Otherwise, I'll read it. I'll watch the highlights because, you know, WWE have decided to make it convenient for me to not watch their show by just watching the highlights on YouTube. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like you, I, I usually will check out uh, NXT. But, I mean, I've been getting my fill with um, my New Japan subscription because, uh, you know, there was about a three-week period there where I had a... a three and a bit hour show every day with at least one four star match and that kind of was keeping me fine um mm. but the, the the television product for wwe hasn't really had that much to keep me engaged with so that's about it barry how are you with the product at the moment uh, in terms of level of consumption before uh, this summer slam weekend uh, yeah, I'm, I'm about the same. I try and watch the uh, the Raw and SmackDown highlights on YouTube, but um, that's about it. Very rarely sit down to actually watch the show uh, in full. And when it comes to pay-per-views, I will kind of watch the highlights, the very good or the very bad stuff. Um, like I did watch Punjabi Prison last month, of course. Um, <laughs> I haven't uh, been able to bring myself to it. Just, just because I knew that was all anyone's going to be talking about, so I made sure to watch it. Um, but yeah, so I'm watching the highlights of the pay-per-views and and skimming the TV very briefly, not not taking in a whole lot to be honest. And even even watching the the highlights on on YouTube, like I'm skipping the Hardys match most weeks and stuff like that, you know. Um, so yeah, Jack, what about you? Probably even less than Barry, to be honest. I I just don't really care at the moment I, and and like i mean there are there have been a few other things going on in my life like not to throw the curtains too wide on myself but there's just nothing that i mean i didn't know the shield were back together until i read the card for SummerSlam. so yeah anything that i've seen of wwe i would say in the last two months has purely been in gif form yeah yeah that's it's just like, I, I don't want to blame it all entirely on him, but the moment, and it is like mainly coincidence, but not 100% coincidence, I think the moment where I stopped watching like a, a lot of, like I was watching SmackDown every week and I was watching kind of highlights of Raw and I was watching all the pay-per-views. Um, um, but when Jinder won the title, uh, <laughs> was kind of like, part of what started deflating me and I, I think that was the the moment not that I made a conscious decision when Jinder won the title that right I'm cancelling my subscription or anything like that um, but I, I think that was the moment there, there's really been no steam in, in a lot of stuff even building up to uh, SummerSlam which we'll talk about in a few minutes the day of the show, and I watched it live, the, the day of the show, I, there was at least two or three matches that I had no idea were happening uh, until I actually went and looked at the card. Um, that's how little interest I have at the moment. Yeah, uh, in still things. not sure why Enzo was in a cage, but, you know. Well, I, th <laughs> I, th I think that, like, every year post-Mania, they have a few months where... There's there's sort of a shuffling around, or they're they're kind of finishing off feuds for Mania, and I don't know where they're where they're really going. And they've had like a a 
bit mm. of focus on Raw, and that's been kind of tolerable, but it just suffers from being a three-hour show. But with SmackDown, and like where SmackDown um, at the start of the brand split, brand split last year was, you know, pretty interesting. There was a lot of new talent that had coming up, and uh, it looked like they were going to give some new talent some chances, and you had yeah. kind of styles put on top, and you know he's run throughout the last uh, the the end of last year was incredible, and then culminated with the the incredible match with him and Cena at the start of the year, which is still probably in the top five WWE matches of the year. Um, and then after that, I mean, you did have Randy Orton posing outside of a burning shed. That was enjoyable, <laughs> you know. I think that yeah, WWE I think that was peaked. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was that was where things started to taper off for SmackDown after but, that just insanity. But pretty much like WrestleMania onwards for SmackDown, uh, or Re WrestleMania coinciding with Road Dog coming on as Agent Book or whatever the <laughs> hell he is. Uh, it's just been a nothing show at all. Yeah, it was it was weird. We we sat here, uh, Jack, uh, on the on the last show, and and we said that after that that superstar shakeup, that. SmackDown, if anything, got got even more interesting. There was a bunch of people came over, like Zayn and, and Owens and, and Rusev. And we thought, okay, well, SmackDown has a chance to kick on here now and, and still be the wrestling show and still be the more interesting show that, that, that we're watching week in and week out. Is there anything in particular, uh, maybe it's gender, maybe it's not, that, that you can pinpoint that kind of uh, made SmackDown burn out for you? <sighs> I just, and it, I don't know. I think it's probably something we'll talk about as we get deeper into the show. But I, ever since the day that he uh, waltzed out in front of me at Bethnal Green, have been a huge Shinsuke Nakamura fan. And, you know, I'd seen matches and stuff before, uh, and I really liked him. But just seeing, like, the six foot two of him in person, just the unbelievable charisma. I just wanted that guy to do really well ever since. And it was like when he was being booked and I saw him in a dark match with Dolph Ziggler at the um, O2 over here, which I got a free ticket to, thanks to uh, Ian Seaton's cousin, Donald. Shout out. Uh, I was just, and it was like the crowd were kind of dead. They liked Nakamura, but they didn't give a shit about the match. Nakamura hit the the Kinshasa. Everyone went crazy for that one moment, and he did his poses and his stuff, and everybody was super hyped. Uh, and I was just like, mm, this could go really badly, and it hasn't gone well. And I think how they've misused Chinsuke Nakamura because I was so excited when they called him up because I just they I thought they did it at the right time as well. And that that, so, that that debut as well felt really special. It did, and it's just been not great ever since and like i say we can get into it deeper in the show if you if if you guys want to we'll show off the conversation till then but that was what really kept me sort of running away from it what's kept me watching every now and then is is guys like aj and owens because they're both just incredible so yeah yeah and here's another thing and i, I want to see uh if, if you feel the same uh as, as me on this barry um so it, aj and kevin owens is one of the, the the marquee feuds over on smackdown at the moment for the united states title mm. and to me when you when you hear those two names you hear they're getting involved in the feud even though the matches have been good yeah is, is it just me or were you expecting something a bit more from it so far Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, it's it's it hasn't clicked for me at all, um, and I don't quite know why. I think it's very odd. 
Um, yeah, I, 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 I've watched the matches. I'm like, this is yeah, this is good. But you know that like when AJ was having his feud with Cena, for example, uh, there'd be a, a point about two thirds into the match where it would just kick up to that next gear or two above. And I think the Owens AJ matches haven't had that. They've been they've been good and solid, um, but so far none of them have been notable. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I, I don't quite I don't quite know what's missing. I wish I could point my finger on it and say, "Oh well, they need to do blank," but but uh, you know, so that that that's hurt a little bit. I think the um, the Shane Owens direction is interesting, and I I think they'll have a great match. I think if I was to handpick a guy who could have a great Shane McMahon match, it would be Kevin Owens. Yeah, um, I well, hope they hold. I hope they hold that off as a something uh, so that Mania has something compelling. Mm. Uh, especially, especially since the obvious hot match in the company that we'll talk about more in a bit, I'd imagine Brock and Braun is happening at the next show. Yeah, uh, which I'm, which I'm super disappointed in. I, I was hoping that would be a Mania match, but or um, at the very least, Survivor Series. You know, they like to have one big match, Survivor Series. Yeah, 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 something like that. But um, yeah, Owens, Owens, and, and AJ unfortunately hasn't really um, done much for me. And honestly, that's like AJ's had a bit of a other than the Shane match, ironically of all things. I don't know that AJ's had a, a great year, honestly, um, or Owens for that matter. Um, I think. I, I, I think. Go on, yeah. I was going to say, and I think that kind of um, that's indicative of WWE overall as a year. This year has been uh, several notches below some of their one of their better years. Yeah, um, I, I've enjoyed some of Owens' character work. Like, I really was enjoying some of that uh, new face of America stuff the start of his, his first US title reign was good coming out in the suit the big his big face on the ramp and, and stuff like that I was, I was enjoying and I always enjoy him on the mic or trash talking in the ring but yeah there's it, it's it both brands um, with the exception of a couple of things that Raw have hit on in the last few months seem to be a case of we have all the constituent ele- elements to make some great shows some great matches here but they're not putting two and two together and, and giving us great stuff they're kind of just kind of uh putting square pegs in round holes a lot here. Um, the, the one other kind of loose WWE note I, w- I wanted to hit on here and get some opinions on before we go into the, the SummerSlam weekend shows uh, was the kind of the latest on the Daniel Bryan situation. Um, he's got about a year left on his contract now at the moment and still seems uh, determined to wrestle. He's beginning this kind of cryotherapy thing. Uh, Dave Meltzer was reporting he's had about 40 sessions of it so far. It's supposed to help with, with cognitive brain function and uh, all the kind of symptoms of repetitive brain injury um, in the hope that either WWE will give him another shot um, or that when his contract runs out, he can go somewhere else, presumably uh, somewhere like Japan uh, and keep wrestling. It, it seems that he's really determined. I want to get the all you guys, uh, your, your kind of takes on the latest on the situation and, and how you're feeling about that, that possibility of seeing him wrestle again. I'll go to Jack first. I don't like it. Yeah. I his goodbye was just so perfect. Like it's one of the most genuinely brilliant uh moments in WWE in the past decade maybe and I mean if you take that to one side the guy's health you know you've seen how the deterioration of of people can be when they have these brain traumas and brain injuries and for such a a friendly salient guy it would be so depressing to hear about him getting like another concussion or whatever and just potentially 
you know, robbing himself of, of time, like where he could be enjoying his retirement and his old age with his family, where he's going to be having trouble. Like, I, I don't like the idea of that. I love the guy. I've got T-shirts. I fucking idolized him when he was wrestling. But I, I just don't want to see him risk his health. And the only thing that I can say in the plus column is when you love something that much, that you are really willing to risk your life to do it, then I, I respect that. I respect that level of feeling and emotion towards it, but I really do wish that a bit of common sense would prevail here. Barry, he, he, Brian says that he, with this therapy done, that if, if the day comes and he's going to go back and doctors are still telling him that it's probably not a good idea, that he will actually listen to that advice. Um, is that something you would expect him to do? Do you kind of echo Jack's thoughts here? Where, where are you at with this whole kind of developing situation? I, I, th- I think it's, it's very hard to read. I feel like um, his track record, both in terms of, um, uh, you know, certain things that he discussed in his book, to certain stories you'd hear about him throughout the years, all the way up to, you know, um, his you know apparent fight with Triple H backstage over a match stoppage he didn't agree with. That was his, when he got the stinger, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. His his mo for his entire career, pretty much pretty much from his rookie days, has been to work hurt and to not let anything stop him. And for the last year or so, or I guess two at this stage, uh, or, or, to whatever it's been since he retired, all we've heard is that, oh, he didn't want this, this was forced upon him, blah, blah, blah. He said as such on Talking Smack and what have you. So now him turning around and saying, this is still all true, I'm still going to go with elsewhere. Uh, but if they say I shouldn't, I really won't. I, like I, To be honest, I don't buy that i think i think yeah. his contract will come up and i think he will wrestle elsewhere now to be fair to, you know not to just rag on, on the whole situation too much a lot of doctors cleared him a lot of people said they wouldn't they wouldn't take umbridge clearing him in an official capacity to wrestle so there, that is worth mentioning but i i do honestly i don't believe that if if some people went back on their word and said actually no we're not sure about this i think unless he was legally tied like he kind of is now i think he would wrestle and and in terms of how i feel about it i mean i i very much would i would be perfectly content if he never wrestled again i'd probably prefer if he wouldn't it is a very grave situation concussions in wrestling is something i do care a lot about and i do uh, uh, want to see taken seriously, but you know, I, 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 but I'm also like a massive hypocrite. Like, am I gonna act like I wouldn't go if he came to Ireland? Like, come on, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie and say I wouldn't go see Daniel Bryan wrestle in an intimate 600 person event. You know what I mean? Um, so that's the yeah. flip side of it, and I think a lot of people would be in my boat as well with that. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see how he um adapts if he does leave, because I mean, God knows when he returned after vacating the heavyweight title that he, he did not adapt his style at all um, yeah. uh, to compensate for his injuries. So that would be interesting as well. And God knows signing with New Japan wouldn't exactly be what I would call adapting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very hard to get a read on right now. Speaking of that, uh, Mark, you, you and I are both, uh, both people who enjoyed back in the day the, the run of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson in, in, in Ring of Honor. And uh, you're quite the, the fan of New Japan, as you want to talk about more in the, the show later on. Is it just me or does something about the idea of Brian Danielson showing up in New Japan next year, uh, just after the G1, it'd be 
uh, next year. Is it just me or does that sound like a recipe for disaster given his the, the specificity of his injury and, and given the style that's worked over there? Like if Brian Danielson gets booked in a match with Tomohiro Ishii, you know, he's. I, I don't see him, like Barry said, I don't see him adjusting his style so drastically that he could avoid re-injuring himself in that kind of a, an, an environment. Uh, well, here's the thing. No one knows Daniel Bryan's body better than him. Um, or probably the doctors that he works with who told him either to retire or not. Um you know, he will have been not wrestling for two, three years by the time that if he does return and can return, uh, that he would return. So mm. that that's a fair time to, you know, be as healed up as he can possibly be uh, the brain withstanding. Um, if he feels confident that he can return and that he can wrestle to a level that he would be proud of, then, you know, that's what's going to happen. In terms of if he decides to wrestle with uh, New Japan, I mean, let's get one thing clear. Not everyone in that company wrestles like Tomohiro Ishii or uh, no. Katsuya Shibata. Um, but, uh, my point was more that given what we know of Brian Danielson, the, the style he likes to work and how he likes to be proud. Oh, absolutely. How, how much how much he loves that style in New Japan. I, I don't see him go going over there with the intention to work light. No, but and he did make mention of this on he was on the uh, the Edge and Christian show a few days ago, uh, which is a very good podcast actually. Very much enjoy it. Out of the old. Uh, wrestlers turning into podcasts uh, type shows their, their one's actually pretty good and he he made uh, mention of this and he noted that you know he can if needed if he needs to be he can work smart which you know doesn't exactly come as a surprise uh, and you look at the g1 just gone and we don't know to the extent of his injury but um hiroshi tanahashi worked most of that g1 with one arm and that includes also a five-star match with one arm. So, you know, that is a, a, a roster and a whole bunch of wrestlers who can work smart. And I think that if Danielson wants to go over there uh, and wants to work smart, still work to a level that, you know, remove some stuff like the diving headbutt and... and um, like proper physical strikes to the head you know i, I, I think, think the, i think the, the, the running the running drop kick into the corner as well where he'd land on the back of his head yeah probably and, worth avoiding and i think he's aware of that um you know yes when he came back last time for that brief run before he did properly retire uh there there was a few things where it's like why are you doing headbutts with Ziggler on the ladder why are you still doing the running drop kick and i'd like to think at this point he's learned if he hasn't then it's a case of shame on him and fool him both times um so I'm not going to uh, kind of sit here and say I'd feel bad if he came back and then immediately had to retire because it, the other day it's his life, it's his passion, and we're just a bunch of jabronis sitting around on Skype having this podcast. Uh, and again, as Barry pointed out, like if he did say, okay, I'm going to be wrestling in uh, OTT or in England or whatever, you know, I've seen Daniel Bryan twice 
and they were both at WrestleMania. One was a shitty dark match with Sheamus, which got turned into a battle royal, and the other was an okayish tag match with him, Kane against Biggie and Ziggler. So, like, the idea of him wrestling a 20, 30-minute main event against, uh, you know, a, a whole new plethora of wrestlers that I have not seen him wrestle with before and that he's not wrestled with and would love to get in the ring with, you know, I, hey, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Uh, we'll move on now and actually talk about the, the wrestling that took place. We're recording this after uh, SummerSlam weekend, where we had a a lot of uh, a lot of wrestling on, some better than than others. Uh, we kicked off the weekend in style with NXT Takeover Brooklyn Three, which I think uh, start to finish was a fantastic show. Uh, not least because it ran less than half, like yeah, around around half the time of SummerSlam. Um, which definitely helps in the digestibility of the content. Um, thoughts up, up and down overall on the show, uh, Barry? Yeah, I, I now I don't watch NXT at all. I um, I always threaten to get back into, but I I just never really can. Um, uh, but I always watch the takeovers, and it's it's become something of a cycle now where people kind of. Um, Say, oh, well, you know, I'm not feeling it, or it's, you know, seems kind of tepid, but uh, it's all it always delivers. Um, and that I think that speaks to the strength of the booking and the investment in the characters and and what have you, in the sense that they can, you know, I might not want to watch the TV show weekly because it's kind of by the numbers and basic, but there's something to be said for that style because they build things up uh, appropriately and, and they they build an aura and a tone for the show that means everyone watching takes it seriously um, so it always delivers and yeah I have to say it's like the, the last this one and the previous one which I think would have been Mania Weekend they were both shows where you look at the card ahead of time and you go what four matches five matches what's this how how is this their card and it's like it's two hours everyone gets a good length match Everyone gets their full entrances. Everyone gets their full post-match celebration. Everything is left breathe. These shows are like masterfully paced. Um, and it's a nice anomaly in the world of WWE now where SummerSlam is four hours with 12 matches. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a treat the way they structure these cards completely unlike anything else in the company or really anything else in the industry like i don't know that there's an indie or another promotion that structures a card the way they put together the takeovers so it, it was a thumbs up across the board really for me uh jack thumbs up thumbs down where, where are you at yeah uh thumbs up on the show i thought the show was really entertaining uh thumbs in the middle in terms of some of the guys that i i wanted to to win not winning or whatever but uh i yeah I, everything that barry just said i, I have to echo I don't watch NXT standalone show. I do watch the takeovers, uh, but I'm never disappointed by them. I, I always think they're very enjoyable. They've got some really great talent. They aren't making anything over the top or hackneyed like it would have to be or seems to have to be once you go up to the main roster. Like you can just be a guy and you can just have a great match or you can just be a woman and you can just have a great match. It doesn't have to be like your, uh, a particular type of personality i mean there hasn't been many gimmicks like on nxt that i can remember that kind of almost 
go above the work and and i think the only one that i can think of at the moment is that bobby Roode's theme tune seems to be (laughs) more impressive and more memorable than bobby Roode's matches um which is fine uh but yeah like it's it's always great and and yeah this this continues to be great it's you know like some sometimes people say oh about a footballer day they're like oh you know he'll always give you a six or seven out of ten and some people see that in a negative way yeah exactly they see that in a negative way where they're like well you know they like nxc has had its amazing moments but there are a lot of shows that are just really good and you know what i can just happily just watch a really good show and and enjoy it Mark, I think uh, one of my favorite things about the, the this was uh, I don't know if they've done this before, but that I noticed for the first time with uh, Takeover Brooklyn Three was the the big hype video package at the start to get you into everything featured uh, more than a small amount of Big Papa Paul looking cool in the ring. Did anybody notice that during the opening video package? It's like NXT, we are the future. The future is now. All this sort of stuff, and then just repeatedly cutting to to. To Triple H in a suit uh, in in the middle of cutting one of his speeches about how great NXT and him are. Oh well, yeah, well it's 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 all about the game. Poor yeah. hell, you know. <laughs> uh, were you thumbs up on the show as well, Mark? Oh yeah, you caught up with us. Yeah, uh, this is a great show. Um, it, like kind of overall encapsulating NXT at the moment. It's like the the show week to week is is fine it's serviceable it's usually not overly engaging but hey it's an hour long so you can't argue with it and um you know they've got Asuka having the, the best title run uh, in the company in forever and you know she pretty much delivers every single time i thought her and Emma Moon had a an, an excellent match and thankfully they kept the title on Asuka which on the flip side of that only kind of brought Ember Moon's kind of status up, which I thought was the, the absolute correct way of doing it. Uh, I think the authors of pain, uh, I hope they don't get uh, called up. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping they don't and, and just continue improving because they've improved drastically like um, them and sanity overachieved so much more than I, I could have ever imagined. Uh, yeah. Just, just a really, really good show. Like they always have, um, a nice kind of little mixture because NXT's got a pretty uh, kind of diverse uh, bunch of wrestlers. So you had uh, you know Gargano and and um, Almas having a kind of pretty speedy technical style match. You had Black and uh, Itami just beating the shit out of each other. Uh, the main event was okay. Like I haven't been too enamored with with Root's kind of title run, but I think part of that is just the general philosophy of what NXT is meant to be, and I think it doesn't really yeah. work with a forty year old uh, in in that position. So I like that McIntyre's yeah, in the role. I, I think that 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 main event, and we'll kind of we'll go through the, the card one by one by one here because we'll be we'll be glossing over large parts of the SummerSlam card for obvious reasons. Um, I, I think the one of the problems with the the the, the rude McIntyre and specifically rude um, is that. It, he and McIntyre, that match, and, and Rude as a heel champion, feel disjointed with NXT. NXT has a completely different vibe from WWE, uh, the, the main WWE shows. And he would be a much better heel champion on a main show because he feels like a, just a standard main event heel champion from Raw or SmackDown. And on an he NXT show, He reminds me show, of JBL's run. Yeah. You know when of. JBL had that long run? It, it kind of like, you know, he's above everybody else kind of thing, even though they're, they're different in character. 
Like, mm. they're both really solid in the ring, and you really want to see someone beat them. I mean, if that guy's Drew McIntyre, good for you. It wasn't for me, but you know what I mean? Well, I think it's more just that, like, NXT tonally has, a at this point, yeah. a kind of, like, indie smark vibe yeah, about and, it. And, and, and Bobby Roode like is not like that. Like a super indie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah both yeah. both him and McIntyre, there's a certain extent to which you feel like, why are they here? Why aren't they already on the main roster well, I mean, you can even make at least some argument with mcintyre because of the last couple of years with his work in whether it's uh evolve icw even like to a certain degree impact so you can make at least some more of an argument and he's on like the right side of 30 uh mm. but with with rude he it's so just like he should just be on the main roster you know he wrestles mm. that main roster style for better or for worse mm. Um, the, the, the opening match, uh, was Andrade Cien Almas against Johnny Gargano. Um, Gargano, Gargano being defeated after being distracted by Zelina Vega throwing in a DIY shirt, which I thought was a cool way to do that kind of yeah. hackneyed finish. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, um, but, but Barry, I've been really, uh, digging Andrade Cien Almas since his character just became, I'm a massive wanker. Yeah, I, I, um... I have, like I said, I don't watch TV, so I've only seen him on takeovers. Well, actually, no, that's not true. When he when he debuted, I watched a couple of TVs, but this was when he was just completely floundering. Um, damn suspenders I, and his feather boa, or his, fe- this, his feather in his cap. He should have had a feather boa. That'd be great. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I haven't seen this guy in a while, and man, it was like night and day. It was like someone I completely didn't even recognize. Um, and I didn't. I've never. I'd never really seen him as a sombra either. So, so he, um, he was always this guy I heard about, but didn't know much about. Man, on this show, he was goddamn tremendous. He really was. He was in his own element. His his natural. He he's naturally charismatic, but I do also think he is naturally unlikable. Um, uh, I think I think it might. Be, I'll be honest, lads. It might be the haircut. Um, you know, among other things, but um, him parlaying that into an arrogant heel character is great. His work is tremendous. Obviously, that was never the problem. Um, he he's a fantastic wrestler, and uh, Zelina Vega, I think, is great. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, she doesn't. She's not, you know, she's not doing anything incredible. She's not, you know, taking crazy bumps or anything. But sometimes, just a manager and a wrestler go really well together, and that wrestler is immediately accentuated just by her presence. And I think they, these two, definitely are. It's a great act as a unit, kind of like um, a, a little bit, kind of like uh, TK Cooper and Dahlia Black in progress. Yeah. Um, although I know, I mean, she's taken some crazy bumps in her time, but it's very much just they have a great presence and chemistry together that immediately, like their star power, is more than the sum of their individual parts. Um, His music is shot, though. Is it? It's great because he is he is a shithead. Like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. great for him, but it is shy to be the El Idolo. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, uh, yes, I guess it's more in, in tone or in character now. He is a heel, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's heel music. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. It's not like, you know, Glorious, which is such babyface music. Like, it's gotten him over big time, gotten Bobby Roode over big time. Um, Jack, it, it, what more can you say about Johnny Gargano? Is he the best babyface in peril in, in the world right now? Uh, he definitely is up there. I, I mean, it's impossible not to like Johnny Gargano. He's he had one of the best matches, or, or maybe not one of the best matches, but one of my favorite matches I've ever seen live with um, with Mark Haskins uh, a few years ago. And you know, again, 
I, I don't know what it is about me, but I kind of like when I see somebody live and they really impress me. That that's when they they like really make an impression. But yeah, yeah that's, Johnny that's like me, was... me with uh, David Starr. I, I had seen David Starr a few times, and then when I saw him at, at sixteen Carat this year, it clicked, and he's one of my favorite wrestlers now. Yeah, you just completely that guy becomes another guy to you, and then you you just get it. Um, and and that's kind of how I felt about Gargano and his work in the WWE has been amazing. I, I loved DIY. I thought they were absolutely perfect as a, as a tag team. And, you know, ever since they did that, that really brilliantly executed split angle, I, I really feel like I probably should have been given kind of more, more time, more credence to the feud that he would have had um, with Champa. But I, I kind of, I tuned out a little bit and I, it's great to come back and see him still being Mr. Wrestling, still being Johnny Gargano, Johnny wrestling rather. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, there's not enough great things I can say about him. And he had a really good match. And you know what, Dave, this is one of those matches where there aren't many baby faces now that I watch. And when they lose, I'm like, Oh, like I'm genuinely yeah. disappointed. And I was, I was so sad for him because it seems like every time I watch Almas, he, he, he's being jobbed out to a guy that they've really got a lot of faith in, whether it's like Alistair Black or I don't know, Nakamura or something at some point. Uh, and yeah, I, when he lost the match, I was like, Oh man. And I, I liked the finish. I thought it was cool with the DIY thing. And, and obviously long term, they're going to do a bit more with him and Chumper, but yeah, uh, got it for Johnny, but a great match between these two. Uh, our second match was the tag team title match, and that was Sanity. Uh, Alexander Wolf and Eric Young with Killian Dane and Nikki Cross beside them, uh, defeating the Authors of Pain, new tag champions of this match. Mark, it's been a complete 180 since their debut for the Authors of Pain. They have gotten really, really fucking good uh, compared to where they started. They're still not quite there yet, but they're they're. I really look forward to their matches now. It's the the age-old saying of hide weaknesses, uh, exploit the strengths, and it's been exactly that. You know, uh, they are in a, 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 a roster or division that has, you know, for the most part, kind of smaller wrestlers, so they, you know, stand out that much more. So just push them as big fucking lads and that's pretty much been the case and you know they've had the advantage up until this point and this was kind of a test for them because they had been working with the likes of the revival and diy and you know it, it's very hard to have a bad match with either of those two teams so this was really the chance to see okay what can they do with a team insanity who up until this point uh, you know uh, it's fair to say that nikki cross has probably been the most entertaining part of that act yeah we, we we've caught a lot of people call them that they were the 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 most pushed least overact in that whole kind of nxt set yeah, down there and, but they've really turned a corner now yeah and it's still like no one really knows exactly what the fuck the gimmick is like it's this kind of mad max carnival freak show sort yeah, of thing weird fuckers yeah okay. pretty just... much um and just for some reason eric young is there as well but this match was really good and i could have seen that there potentially may have been some backlash with um big demo being taken out but you know eric young is a good wrestler there's never been any argument about that and this well, was I, just a good kind of chaotic schmoz and, and it worked 
I think the star of the match here for me, uh, I don't know about you guys, was Alexander Wolf, yeah. who was just he, that boy had his working boots on tonight. The and the the former member of Ringkampf, uh, he is the first now German-born uh, title holder in WWE, which is uh, a pretty cool thing for him to be able to That's boast. A cool fact. Um, I, I think he really turned a corner uh, for me in WWE when he, they had that match, you know, the multi-man match over Mania weekend where he did his kind of, um, he was doing his his mad raving around, his his head banging, and then just got completely cold cocked by Chris Hero. Uh, it was like my favorite spot in that whole match. But he's been he's been doing really well as part of Sanity. He's like the the kind of the, 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 the sneaky workhorse of that group. Uh, they all... They all definitely do pull their weight in that group, uh, as evidenced by, I think, one of the craziest spots of the night. Um, one of my favorite ones uh, was Nikki Cross <laughs> going through a table on the back of an author of pain. was incredible. Fair play uh, yeah. to her for taking yeah. that bump. <laughs> yeah, that looked that looked no fun for anybody involved. Um, um, the, no, you know, hopefully the the large Albanian man sort of absorbed some of the pain. You'd hope you so. Would, you'd uh, hope. But coming out of this, we had the well debut as a tag team, really, of, of Red Dragon, which definitely, my God, definitely I, spices up the tag division somewhat. Fierce. I flip the fuck out. <laughs> I I'm so happy they're one of my favorite tag teams in wrestling. I uh, there were there were many all caps tweets. I I lost my cool for and a I little think, bit. I think it's a smart thing to do because their their uh, debuts against Alistair Black were a little bit underwhelming and yeah, I, do I, I had think... I had a feeling when they were just coming in and losing clean relatively quickly to to Alistair Black that they were probably going to get put together. Um, but it was still it was still great to see them. Yes, uh, and I I kind of enjoy both of them more as a tag team than as individual wrestlers. So I'm yeah, I'm all yeah, espe- especially yeah. Bobby Fish. I I like some uh, a lot of Kyle O'Reilly's like his feud with Adam Cole last year in Ring of Honor was was great. I do believe he's but, one um, of your boys. He is one of my boys. In fairness, uh, match number three: Alistair Black and Hideo Itami. Barry, these men beat the living shit out of each other. I think this might have been my favorite match of the night for sh- the amount of sheer shrieking I was doing at some of the strikes going on here. They have, if they don't screw it up, which is a big if, uh, just a bona fide superstar-looking man, in Alistair Black. What did you think of this match? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think they're, they're doing right by by Black. Um, uh, and honestly, I thought I don't want to get my hopes up because it's been a long, turbulent road. But this felt the most um, this felt the most likely to succeed Hideo Itami has ever felt um in 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 his in his tenure in this company he was he was mean and he was charismatic and he was uh you know he was kenta light he wasn't full kenta i don't know that he i don't know that his current place of employment is is conducive to to bringing back the the old way of doing things but but he felt like he was channeling that aspect of him very well and i i was really impressed with him in this match um so yeah this was great uh, uh, Black continues to uh, to impress. Uh, he's someone who feels like he could, you know, right now feels like he could ultimately be a, a tippy top star, like a very top of the card, you know, a headlining act for the company, front and center of the merchandise yeah. type act. But when you, when someone feels that way in NXT, I mean, it 
really just means he he has the steeper cliff to fall off on the main roster. Yeah. So so who knows what will actually happen? But right yeah. now, it definitely feels like they've got their head screwed on. When he carries himself like a star and has that kind of spooky edge to him, I just try and temper myself by reminding myself how much of a superstar Bray Wyatt looked like towards the end of his NXT run and just go, okay, remember what they did to him. Don't get your hopes up. Don't think that Asterbank is going to walk in and be this incredible world champion. Um, Does it feel like with Alistair Black that what's kind of working for him uh, is that Apart from the fact that obviously he looks very different, but he's for the most part been he's kind of been pushed a bit like Goldberg in that it's it's very dominant squashes or just dominant matches in general. And that yeah. comes across because this has definitely been like he's he's most the match where he's been the most in peril of losing, um, like with the black yeah. mask kind of coming out of nowhere, kind of in the way that like the spear in a jackhammer would. And it does feel that when he's not on offense, the crowd does seem to lose a little bit. It's just like they just want him to, hit yeah. to go in there, hit the black mass, and be done with it. And I just I don't yeah. know if like main roster WWE can work or book that kind yeah. of character. I think, I think they did stay reasonably into it on this occasion. Like I've seen him selling before, where like the full sale crowds in particular lose a bit of interest. But the full sale crowds I found lately are are really not what they used to be. Um, I think in this match, the thing that kept them into it was just the sheer violence with which they were hitting each other, even when when Alistair was um, was selling here. Uh, one of the things, and I, I want to see what your take on this, uh, Jack, but um, my favorite wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels. And one of the, the running jokes in wrestling for years and years is that when Shawn Michaels threw a super kick, he would either hit you square in the jaw for real, or he would miss by a couple of feet. One of the things that just constantly constantly astonishes me about Alistair Black is the frequency with which he gets so close to hitting on the button with that black mass. Like it, I think I recall one black mass he's thrown that were it not for some clever camera editing would have looked like it completely missed the mark, but he is just nailing that thing pretty much every time. Yeah, he's, he's great. Uh, whether, whether it was as Tommy and or, or as Alistair Black, the guys a brilliant in-ring performer. Uh, and I really enjoyed this. I, I like, I agree with Barry. I think this is probably the most comfortable I've seen Kenta in WWE because he, he's been a little bit like not sure. Like he didn't really adapt in the same way that, that Nakamura did because it's kind of like that in, intense sort of charismatic delivery of your personality. It doesn't, doesn't really apply to to the what he was before which is just yeah. angry guy that used to kick people as hard as possible so i think it's cool to see him a little bit more in the heel role and you know that is it's it's sort of arrested development for him but he's getting there and yeah i love alistair black i am also very wary about what they do to him and can we just can we just all agree that his music is the most pitch perfect music they have for anyone oh, on the roster right so now? Good. <laughs> and him, so good. Him just pimping through the live band playing it on this show. Like it was such a simple addition to his usual kind of Nosferatu entrance, but it was it was just like that man is cooler than I will ever be, and it's not even close. Um yeah, yeah, that, I, like, there's he, something weird about that aura as he, well. Like there's something there's something about the way he carries himself that's just a little bit different from anything that you've seen. I, I don't think he, has he spoken yet, apart from his the 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 fade to black promos before I, I he think debuted. He has a little bit, but 
going back a little bit there, like that's another thing where he's going to suffer from where, um, you know, your your typical main roster entrance is pretty much like they walk out, they go to the ring, and you know his entrance takes a little bit of time and. Um, like for the most part, like say a Finn Balor whose entrance is quite long, that's still relatively the same. Uh, and I wonder if if that's gonna if he'll lose a little bit of that luster when he goes to the main roster when he's having to kind of come out a little bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we got the the women's title match in the semi main. There was some discussion uh, early on in the day: would this be the main event or not? Uh, Asuka retaining against Ember Moon, but unfortunately suffering what seems to be a broken collarbone. In this match, I thought this was one of the, and the bar is quite high for women's matches in NXT. I thought this was one of the the better ones I've seen, uh, with the exception of maybe that um, that famous uh, Sasha Bailey match. I thought this was a really really good match. Uh, what did you take uh, from it, Mark? Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what I was going to say. Like I, I still uh, adore the the Brooklyn one Bailey Sasha match. Um, but this this was up there. This was just fucking. This was just beautiful. Uh, Asuka is uh, believable. She's charismatic. She's just fucking physical. And Ember Moon was right there with her. Like the last match, uh, I don't think anyone really kind of bought that Ember Moon would win. And I also just don't think that they'd really established her enough. And yeah. so the the little bit of time off with the injury, it all kind of worked out in the end. Uh, I was yeah. just very... I'm, re- I'm really into Ember Moon. I, I like her a lot. I, I do um, like her, but I just don't... I'll be I'll be fine if they do decide in the eventual third match to to put the title on her. I yeah. would be fine. Like of all the people they could do, they could put the title on. I would be absolutely fine with it being her. I mean, I I think it was smart to kind of go the the Austin Mania 13 route of you know she'll come out bigger with the loss, and I think this match that's exactly what happened um but i just think that asker is so good at the moment and there's so many kind of uh potential matches coming up with the the may young like there's at least four or five different matches they could do there you know they could hold off asker till like n- next year's mania uh and i want to see asker candace Lorray really badly on the takeover it'd oh, be amazing like, Candice LeRae, um, Alpha Female, uh, there's just... Carrie. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony Storm, Storm please. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Um, Barry, you're a man who has g- gone on record as recently as today uh, with that your, the the original uh, Becky, or not Becky, uh, Sasha Bailey match got the full five from you. Mm. Where did uh, this one rank in comparison to that or other great NXT women's matches? You know, I, I, I thought the Bailey sasha match was better. I still think that's the best. I, I thought the Sasha-Becky match, the famous one, was uh, was better. That was at um, the... I, oh, yes, yes, yes. That was the... They, they, they only have the one takeover main event as singles. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had a couple of TV matches, I believe. I, I didn't think this was any kind of incredible match of the year contender. I thought it was just kind of a solid match until the eclipse at which point it became incredible because that was obvious that was one of the great near falls of the year yeah um, it's incre- it's incredible how she hasn't missed an eclipse by a mile in one of her big matches because i had heard that when she was coming in i hadn't seen a lot of her i must confess on the indies but there was a lot of that yeah she ha- has been known to to miss that move by a by a country mile sometimes but uh she seemed to hit it snug every time uh in nxt and asuka bumped like a mad woman for it yeah it's it's i mean uh, 
going back to kind of the solid build of of um, the TV and how NXT kind of in an old school way, it gets its moves over, it gets its people over, it has winners, it has losers, the winners are pushed hard, and they're the ones on the takeover shows. There are no losers on takeover shows, there's only four matches, there can't be, there's no room for losers. And I think that was evident in this match because I actually don't really think ember moon is that over this was something i noticed in the first match and it was something i noticed in this match um i think her mannerisms are kind of like campy and they don't really click uh in a lot of ways i think the character is just a bit weird i think i think most people have kind of agreed that her her speaking and her video promos is, is like pretty bad and and so i i don't know that she herself is clicking but to go back to what i said they have built the Eclipse as a move so well that whatever her shortcomings are, when she hit that move and Asuka kicked at it too, they had, they had put in the work to, to earn the near fall already. And so it was magic regardless. And that's where the strength of NXT yeah. as a weekly show comes in, I think. I think part of it as well is that maybe they rushed to Ember Asuka so quickly after a lot of the girls went up to the main roster. Um, that while you're trying to still build Ember as the, the big up-and-coming babyface on the brand, why would you book her in a long-term feud with the woman that no one wants to see lose ever? Um, that's probably hampered her a little bit in her development. But I, I do think she's she's getting better, and, and they have this really, really good chemistry, the two of them. There, there's a certain element to which it feels like a fight when the two of them are in there that I really, really enjoy. Jack, should Asuka ever lose this title down in NXT? Should she just go up and drop the title when she goes up onto the main roster, or if she goes up onto the main roster? To me... I. There's not really anybody in the apart from Ember in the short term who I can see uh, taking this offer. I don't think she should lose uh, until someone beats her at WrestleMania. I think it would be really cool if she went up to the main roster, won one of the women's titles, and when she won that women's title, say in um like a th- like maybe second third match or whatever, she beats a couple of women down she she wins the title and then they're like right well you can't hold these two at the same time and then they maybe have the winner of the may young tournament face off against ember for the title which would be pretty cool and then you have Africa just just carrying this on and then they they can constantly bring up how legit this streak of her being a champion in nxt now she's a champion on the main roster for all that time you build someone up to beat her at WrestleMania and, and it will be an amazing moment um, because, yeah, like as, as Barry so intricately put it, like the moment of the Ember Moon's move being kicked out of here, like that was huge. Like and everybody in crowd went nuts. She sold it so well. She couldn't believe it. And everyone buys into Asuka as a, as a legit badass. So there's an awful awful lot of mileage they can get out of her being a similar presence on the main roster and yeah i i almost i don't want to see her lose the title i know it'd be good for whoever managed to beat her but i, I just don't want to see it happen the, i think the, uh sorry i don't mean to cut across you dave uh, i also wanted to make mention of the the follow-up near fall with the super kick which was also incredible Oh yeah, uh, yeah. What a super kick. They um yeah, I mean look the match the match it wasn't just the one near fall. I mean the match was just next level after the eclipse. I mean it was it was red hot from there. Um 
Yeah, uh, the ask the ask thing is just fascinating, purely because they. I don't. It's rare that they do it. I think I would love to see her uh, vacated, undefeated. Um, yeah. I think that's the per- that's the perfect ending for me with how good her run has been. Um, to like to have her abdicate, like to to vacate the title and have like maybe a tournament then to determine a new one. I think is is the best way because it's gotten to the point where, much as I said, like personally, I'd be fine with with Ember being the one who beats her eventually. I think the longer her run goes, the less and less NXT people are going to be into the idea of anyone beating her. Uh, so maybe this is the best way out to still please everybody. I don't know. Um, we'll move on to the main event, NXT Championship. Drew McIntyre, new champion after beating Bobby Roode. Pretty solid standard kind of main event WWE heavyweight style match here. Nothing particularly to write home about. I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It wasn't anything special. But I think the real talking point to get into here is after the match, uh, Drew McIntyre's hand raised in victory. Uh, got his new shiny belt and he is atta- he is distracted by Red Dragon and then attacked by one Adam Cole, baby, uh, who is now part of NXT. And it looks like himself Ghost. and Red Dragon are now the, the legally distinct from Ring of Honor faction uh, in, in NXT as, as a trio of heels. Um, your thoughts on this? Like this... To... Go on, Jack. I point out that that is the ghost of Adam Cole. Everybody yeah, knows that Adam Cole was murdered on Being the Elite months ago. <laughs> this is not really Adam Cole. So as over, as long as everyone agrees with that, we can move on. That, that's good. Your, your, your take on this, Barry, are, are you excited to see this? I know a lot of people uh, were kind of... Ha- their their love of Adam Cole had faded over the last couple of years. But uh, are you excited to see this, this kind of trio uh, arrive in NXT? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm def- I definitely cooled a lot on on um, uh, Cole, but I, I think it's an interesting dynamic, and I think you look at Rude, a guy. I think, I think Rude reminds me of Cole a little bit. Um, obviously, Cole uh, Rude is way more old school, whereas Cole is a lot more kind of you know uh, modern indie style. But in general, I think they are both really competent, talented wrestlers who kind of maybe lack the ability to really pull you in with a great match. Um, but you look at the success Rude's had there, and and I'm I'm confident that that NXT will maximize what they have. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a full uh, you know I think it'll be a, a fun stable. Um, and I, I love Red Dragon. I mean, they're great. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly is, is tremendously underrated. Um, yeah. I, I, I already anticipate the idea of him splitting away from them as a big baby face and, and, and uh, him and Cole having another tremendous match as they always do this time in NXT. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think this is an interesting development. I look forward to seeing it. Although I did think it was funny that, you know, once upon a time, everyone used to call FCW, you know, the little Randy Orton factory. And now you've <laughs> Got like Drew McIntyre, Bobby Roode, and and Adam Cole at, at the center of the, of the, of Triple H's little baby project. It's like, oh god, this is. I mean, I mean, Bobby Roode especially. I mean, that guy is the most. He the is most, the most. He's the mini Triple H. H. Yeah, he, he really, really is. he really is, and he 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 even does Triple H's you know trademark methodical made event quote unquote that that you know yeah. people try and act like it's there, great. There there are at the worst moments of Rude's reign it has uh, it has been reminiscent of the 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 often maligned reign of terror of Triple H's world heavyweight title reign on Raw. He does have a main event spine buster which is always he does indeed. the trademark. 
uh, Mark, with the possibility that Bobby Roode now is, is off away onto the main roster, or at least being phased out over the next while, um, it feels like the, the arrival of Red Dragon and Adam Cole couldn't have come at a better time. Um, and then with the likes of Donovan Dijak, who we know is on the way to NXT at some point, uh, Leo Rush, who was just announced as a, a, a reporting to the Performance Center today, I think, or yesterday, uh, and the 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 rumblings that War Machine won't be too far behind. Um, is this the kind of the, the 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 refresher that NXT has been needing for a little while? Yeah, I mean. I, I... I don't think it's been I, well. I would say that definitely the uh, all of the women going up the the four horsewomen. I think that was a big uh, shift that the the NXT roster hasn't fully recovered from. But for the yeah. most part, like there's there's a whole bunch of uh, wrestlers down there that I think it's more just about kind of where to put people and just getting the the momentum going. Um, so like. I don't think it's too... I mean, obviously, the the influxion, all this new talent will be great. Um, but, like, NXT has been pretty good about, you know, kind of phasing wrestlers in and out. They they work around the, the three to four weeks of taping that they do in one go um, pretty well. So, like, it'll be interesting to see how they're going to fit all of that talent in, in and who's going to come up as a result of that because um, I wouldn't be too surprised if a few wrestlers come up over the next week or two. Uh, but mm. I mean, obviously, you know, all of the names you just mentioned there are, are really, really good. Um, so, and we're probably going to get an injection of a lot of people, as we said earlier on, from the May Young Classic once that's done. Yeah. So, what what's more concerning is your kind of No Way Hosels and No Way Jose. No Way Jose. No Way Jose. Yeah. And um, who's uh, who's the the fucking knockoff Prince lad? Um, Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream. Like those. Those like the actual kind of proper. Uh, like FCW NXT uh, people that they brought in with little kind of experience before, but, but even even spare a thought for poor Cassius Ono. Uh, well, look, he even regardless. I was going to bring that up. Even regardless, where is of, Chris here? Look, he just. Uh, he's, he's he's probably back in the Tivoli in six months is where he is. Possibly. That's my guess. Yeah, I. There, there oh, I so can't many, wait. Get him back in progress. There right are so now. Many yeah, absolutely. Get him everywhere. Around yeah. that and why and that, yeah. I think it it very much seems like they love the idea of having him there because he is so good and will be such a like a a good teacher to the younger guys coming through he's an incredible person to have there but they don't actually want to do anything serious with him on television i think it's just like they want him to retire already and be a coach you know? yeah they, they yeah i i and he will like he will be an amazing coach when he eventually does that but he's still got plenty more gas in the tank uh from from where i see um let's move on to a much more deflating show and we'll only just kind of pick through the the highlights of this one because please, this show please this this show was four thousand hours long uh SummerSlam. Uh, there was a lot of matches on this that when I was uh, Jack asked me to give him the 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 the, the kind of the, the rundown on the show on on the Monday after, and there was a lot of matches that I was put, putting on what I called the piss list of absolute just why did it have to happen? Why was it even there? I'm looking at a couple of them here. The I felt I felt really bad for the 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 Miz and Miz Taraj against the Hardy Boys at Jason Jordan match that was wrestled in front of a fucking empty arena. Shades of uh, Kalisto and the Ryback uh, at yeah, WrestleMania in Dallas was, when we were there. Yeah, what was the deal? Did, 
did they have technical issues or yeah i think they had technical issues and just didn't let a bunch of people in um there was like a handful of people uh scattered around but i think it was an even more pathetic looking arena than that Kalisto ryback match well what i think uh, it is is that because the arena probably wasn't aware that um they had a two-hour kickoff show and because wwe are phenomenally stupid and decided to have like <laughs> you know some of the matches in the first hour instead of just offloading it all into the second hour, which would have been the smart fucking thing to do. Uh, yeah. So you ended up with, yeah, a, a fucking empty arena match with the Hardy Boys, for crying out loud. Uh, Neville, uh, as well on the pre-show, got his title back from Akira Tozawa, which was just a pointless six-day reign as Cruiserweight champion. Uh, Neville, who's really the only properly over person in that entire division with the way it's being booked, um, probably should just stay champion and not lose it for a long, long time. But that was a pretty solid match, nothing special. Uh, the Usos uh, regaining their tag team titles, beating the the New Day. That was a pretty pretty decent match. Arguments to be made if it wasn't already a, like a, a packed card that it should have been on the, on the main show i really really enjoyed that they are having uh, like low-key one of the the kind of better feuds in wwe this year like the battleground I, match I, I have been such a big fan of the usos since they turned yeah like the, the the battleground match was great the best match on that card which wasn't that difficult because everything else was terrible uh yeah but like and in this match particular and certainly in the, the battleground match as well uh, they're really putting a lot more stock in Xavier Woods than they ever have before, and he's you know he's he's coming up trumps because he's he's always been a really good wrestler, but they they seem to have a, a confidence in him that they really had before, and yeah, this this was like they, these two teams can keep feuding throughout the autumn, and I'll be more than happy with that because I haven't really got anyone else to smack them. Opening match on the the card proper. Uh... John Cena, big match John in the opener here, defeating Baron Corbin. Barry, what has happened to the big breakfast? He, he he's had a rough week. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe um the problem is that he is made some question he made well no, I think he made some questionable choices. Yes. And annoyed some people. And his, his social and, media and, game is not as strong as he thinks it is. And and when that happens, people tend to go, well, is it worth punishing him or do we like him enough or is he talented enough that it's not worth it? Or is he actually not that good? And I think it, when someone probably took a good hard look at what he brings to the table, they probably said, yeah, why not? What are we, what are we losing by, by, by knocking this guy down a couple of banks? The answer is nothing. I mean, I, I was one of the people for the longest time who gave him the benefit of the doubt because I thought he was like, all right, and had some bit of charisma about him that kind of came off a little bit on Twitter and little bits here and there on Talking Smack. You know, like I said, benefit of the doubt. But now when you really look at it, it's like he's been there for a couple of years now. The standard in general is pretty high and I don't think he meets it. And I think if you discount Talking Smack and Twitter antics, which realistically you should because they are they are periphery uh, experiences. He doesn't contribute much as a character or a talker on the show. He's not really getting it done bell to bell. So this isn't some this isn't a demotion uh, down the card that I'm I'm going to be crying about anytime soon. To be quite honest, I, I I think it's an experiment, and I think it was something of a failed experiment, and I. Wouldn't be stunned or now I don't think they'll do it because it's like an admission of guilt, but I wouldn't hate it if he went back down to NXT, honestly. Um, yeah. 
But like I said, I don't, that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like something they really do these days. Like 15 years ago, they used to send people down to developmental all the time when they didn't like them or they big had show. problems. A big, big show, Mark Henry. If they're like, you cost too much money and you're shite, get the fuck down <laughs> there and do something with yourself. These days, they don't really do it. I think they they view they do view it as a bit of a regression um, mm. that they don't like. Like the WWE themselves as a company perhaps doesn't want to admit defeat on. But uh, if he if he doesn't go down there, I mean, I. I mean, geez, they took the briefcase off him. You know, he didn't even he got, he got pinned with one AA on a on a yeah. on a major pay per view, which not which never happens. I mean, and was like it 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 is it is a mark of being a, a deliberate uh, kind of punishment when it's you are dragging John Cena into the opening match of a pay per view. Like as soon as I saw that match was the open one, I was like, okay, yeah, they're 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 trying to make a statement here, and he got less time uh, against John Cena than either of the women's matches got on this show. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was not a good night, not a good week for the, the banter Soros himself. Um, yeah. The, the second match of the card, Natalia defeated Naomi for the SmackDown women's championship. It was kind of a nothing match really. I'm, I'm totally Natty is a non-entity to me really. Um, she's fine, I suppose, but I'm just not into her character or lack thereof really um and i think naomi is as over as a woman on smackdown is so why why have her lose and lose to natalia of all people i don't understand uh moving on to big Cass defeating the big show with enzo suspended in the ring above a shark cage jack what are your thoughts on uh, the most annoying man in the world enzo more in this match why is he in a fucking cage yeah, I I struggle. That's my thought. I I really have nothing else. Like, what is the point of him in that cage? I don't know. That is the he hope... in, is he more threatening than the Big Show? <laughs> Maybe the hope that if you suspend him above the ring, he would be far enough away that the the microphones around the ring wouldn't pick him up and we wouldn't have to endure him during this match, which was not the case. He could be clearly heard. Um, I don't know. He's, he's... Is Big Cass's association with him at this point actually hurting Big Cass? Well, because everyone was saying unfortunately, before he was unfortunately, naked. it it literally hurt Big Cass last night in their match. Uh, he may be out for a long, long time now. Uh, what happened to Cass he, last night? Because I've lo- seen Raw. He completely blew out his knee on a landing, and uh, oh. Big Dave was saying today that it's the kind of injury that could be six months a year. Uh, they're going to have to wait on the the scan afterwards. Oh, that's right. And it's it's real it's real tough for Cass because obviously they had they had big ideas for him. Um, this Big Show feud was really nothing as far as I was concerned. And the sooner he got away from Enzo, the better. Um, yeah. To try and build that up, and it's going to be tough uh, when he comes back. Uh, Barry, uh, what is it about? Like it's just the the Enzo thing has just gotten beyond tired at this point, hasn't it? Yeah, especially because like Cast, like Cast just kills him every time. It's like big ass. It's, it, it's not like it's not like they're they're going back and forth, trading wins, and like oh the matches are bad. I'm bored of it. It's like like Cast just kills him all the time. Like they obviously it was obvious from the first match in particular, which was just a squat. Like it was the, it was the closest thing to a squash they've ever put on pay per view. Like in the last few years, like it was painfully evident that they don't view Enzo on his level. That the split was going to be a big time demotion for Enzo. And that's fine. That's fine. 
but like every time they clash, you know, he, he gets the better of it. Um, uh, I think as like, evidence like, by like the, the whole psychology of this match was built. It was it was built around Enzo trying to get out of this shark cage, and then he eventually gets out, get down to the ring, and immediately gets kicked in the head. Just gets kicked in the head. Yeah, I mean, just it's died. Like, yeah, I mean that that doesn't that doesn't help. But I mean, I think I think the other problem then as well is that, and I actually feel this about American Alpha as well. We might talk about them later. I feel like Enzo and Cass are going to be the definition of guys who will go down as uh, should have been kept in a tag team, you know, infinitely benefited from from being in a tag team. We're able to hide each other's faults well enough and accentuate each other's positives that they had. And, you know, they had a, a ceiling, a super high ceiling that really was it was like the level of like a, a modern new age outlaws. Which kind of sounds like derision these days, but you know, yeah. n- never, never forget that they were these gigantic uh, stars in their heyday. You know, um, oh, you're uh, killing me. I was going to make that exact point. <laughs> oh, don't bad. come to me on this one. <laughs> let's, oh, so I'll, I'll finish this, and then we'll just move on to the next match because yeah. I've eaten up all of Jack's points. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, I feel like Cass is just extremely limited. I feel like he's also, I felt like this. I even felt like this when he was in the the team with Enzo. I feel like he's he's yeah. not very charismatic. Yet. He doesn't have a very good TV presence. He really uh, should have gotten a chance at a singles run before he came up from NXT to try and figure it out what he was without Enzo. But now, like when he eventually comes back having to try and figure out what he is as a singles wrestler on national television is not going to be a, a good space for him to learn i don't think well here's unless the, you really stick him with the right people on house shows here's the thing like i've been watching colin cassidy since about 2012 in <laughs> fcw <laughs> yeah you were an fcw reviewer for uh, some time yeah so i've been watching this fucking lump the whole time and <laughs> He's, Jesus, Mark, will you get off the fence for fuck's sake? He has always been just there. You know, he's never been anything more than that. He is like budget test. Uh, uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't think I can give any more of a damning statement than that. <laughs> that is... God, now I'm not going to be able to unsee the, the, the testness about him. By the way, Test, not the best theme song ever for anybody. No, but no, Big no. Cass is still better than Baron Corbin, so, you know, take that would Cass be Would Cass be more regarded if his theme song was Cass Cass, this is Big Cass? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely worth a try. <laughs> Let's give it a shot, guys. Jim Johnson, I know you're still there somewhere. In the next match, a match that absolutely, this was one of the ones uh, I was talking about earlier that I had no idea until the day of the show this match was even happening. Randy Orton defeated Rusev in 10 seconds. Mark, what's happening to our poor Rusev? I love him so much and he's been treated so badly. I just, I I don't know. I don't have words. I was very upset about this. Uh, uh I tell you what, Rusev knows he knows how to take a fucking RKO. I'll give him that. Um, oh my god, it looked like he took it onto his fucking forehead. It, it, it was, was a Rusev. It was a full-on RVD type cell. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just yeah, they've been butchering. He is kind of like you know how Matt Hardy was more over than his push would you would, would regard it as such. Like Rusev is the the modern equivalent of that, and you know he always does the best with whatever you give him. And he just, he deserves so much more. Like, he should be uh, a, a contender. As, as, 
I said this last time, like how he's not a, like a multiple time world champion when like I was listening to lines of commentary that I was forgetting. People like Seamus is a four time world champion and, and oh, they've not given Rusev a shot. You know what I mean? It's like it is a travesty because like you said, even when they stick him with just awful shit, like the the the, the Dolph Ziggler, Lana, Summer Ray angle, he was brilliant in it. Everybody else was terrible. The angle was terrible, but he was fabulous and like and here's the thing he's right? a great man and one of the enduring memories of this era for me will be rusev in the fucking tank i will never ever forget that and here's the thing right randy orton has been shit this year like just what is randy orton anymore i tweeted that at the time i was like what is the point in him like the in beginning, 2017 the beginning of him and bray wyatt i was really into it because they was taking bray wyatt in a slightly more well a less voodoo uh fucking type yeah less spooky times yeah. until it got very spooky until times. It got, like it they doubled down on the, on the spooky times and and just since mania like all right fair enough gender is gender there's only so much you can do with him but still randy's been doing this for a fucking while he's had good matches he could attempt fucking just attempt to get something out of uh their matches and they're they're all just there's nothing to any of them um yeah. With, with time, but, him and Rusev could be a really, really good match. I'm sure it could be, but I, like, here's the thing. They'll probably, because they did this last year with him and Roman, where they didn't really have a match at SummerSlam and then it carried over to the next pay-per-view, and they'll probably do the same thing here. Uh, but just this just does not fucking do Rusev any favours, and he deserves so much more than this, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, Sasha Banks defeats Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title, which is incredible that in her short time on the main roster, Sasha Banks is now a four time women's <laughs> champion uh, as well. Although I think it was pointed out by Alexa on Raw this week. That's because she hasn't successfully defended any of her championship runs at this point. Um I, I quite like that match. It was it was it was okay. They it's weird. They for um a couple of women who, if reports are to be believed, are aren't the biggest fans of one another o- over the years. Uh, they have a weird kind of good chemistry together. I, I quite like this um match for what it was uh, for the thirteen minutes it lasted. Um, Finn Balor defeating Bray Wyatt. Um, I don't really. Th- think unless you guys disagree there's really much to say about this match apart from cool entrance from finn and then just just get him away from bray wyatt please i i i don't i can't watch bray wyatt anymore i've had my i've had my fill i've had my fill so yeah i think we've finn Finn, god bless him i mean he's not going to carry a segment or a match on his own i i i love him but i'm not i mean i'm not going to sit through this because i think he's this you know incredible worker and then but yeah i i passed on this yeah, Bray, Bray Wyatt is a guy who, like, I think we've been burned on him so many times is that we, we've been at the point with him where it looks like they're going to do something and he's going to kick on and be and be better. Like, I think we were very optimistic at the start of his, his world title reign earlier this year that finally they'd maybe gotten things into gear and then just it's been, will, it, his, it, it's been one of, even by Bray's standards, one of the biggest drop-offs for him ever. Jack? Jack? Well, yeah, there, Jack? Like, <laughs> he sort of does his round and, and you're like yeah th- that's cool like uh, great your entrance is freaky he's he, he's really interesting but what do you do with him like what what are Bray Wyatt's motivation can can somebody like take a piece of paper down and just write out what the fuck 
its motivations are because i don't even know the wyatt family like what what were they trying to do like he just keeps talking like he gets to the point where he's almost on the verge of being undertaker saying that he's going to take someone's soul but then he doesn't so his gimmick right now is kind of like you know spooky yet he kind of just looks like a guy who fell out of a Leonard Skinner concert at yeah, some point I, I, I and I, I don't know what's the point what what does he want guys what does yeah. Bray Wyatt want I, I think one of the things is that like at, it, it seems that like most of the year like nine or ten months of the year before they realize oh shit we need to build him up again so someone can beat him his gimmick mostly is that he loses like he just loses and he loses a lot. Um, it's it is hard to get behind that guy when he's supposed to have this spooky aura and he just loses all the time. Um, and yeah, yeah this was and- this was kind of just a nothing match, ten minutes, and like they they're really kind of they need to come up with something better to do with Finn Balor because this is not the feud for him. He's awesome. Can we just put him? Oh, it just put him back with um, with Gallows and Anderson, and can they just be the club and everyone yeah. be happy? I think Gallows and Anderson would be particularly pleased if that happened. To be Gallows honest, Gallows and Anderson, Gallows and Anderson are two of the most charismatic, interesting guys on the roster, and they're doing fuck all. Finn Balor is the total package. He is main event. Hey, you know, hey, and- hey, now he is no Lex Luger. All right, <laughs> <laughs> mate. He may be he may be double Lex Luger right now. Um, but seriously, I I just think that is the logical step for them. It it would be really cool. Like we could have some weirdness with AJ every now and then as well. And yeah, I just I I think Finn back with those two would make both of them have a bit more oomph. That, that's my uh, suggestion for what to do with Finn, and as for what to do with Bray, like if they can figure out what he actually is and what he wants and what his purposes are like guys, if can you imagine watching a movie where you just, the, you're following the main character around, but they don't actually have a purpose and they're not even trying to accomplish anything. They, they, they just, they are them and they might be a really interesting character, but if they don't have any focus and they don't have any direction going, how, how could you pass the fuck? Yeah. Um, moving on to the the Raw tag team title match, uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, two thirds of the Shield reformed, defeating uh, the Bar Cesaro and Sheamus in what I think was one of the better matches of the night. I really really like this match. Uh, I thought as well, go back um, if, if anyone hasn't, and, and treat yourself to the video package uh, showing the slow burn to Dean and Seth getting back together. I thought it was really really well done for this match. Uh, kind of impressed with with that they i didn't think they were going to be able to help themselves but get them to come out in the old gear or to come out to the music or something like that but they have thankfully held off on that to whenever they eventually do the the full kind of three-man reunion uh barry did you what do you think of this match the and the kind of broader the the ambrose rollins uh reunion I am. Um, I so I didn't watch this match. Unfortunately, this was uh, uh, not not a, I, I don't want to say not a priority because I heard it's great and I believe it's great and I do. I probably will check it out. I, I just couldn't squeeze it in before we did this show. Um, although I did see the gif of Cesaro tearing up the ball, um, uh, kicking kicking off uh, two days of fabulous discourse. Um, uh, but uh, the build. I mean, I, I I am interested in 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 the direction they've gone. Um, um, I think. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say this definitively because it'd be premature. But I will predict. 
I think like this reunion may end up being more enjoyable and more of a positive direction for these two than their singles careers were, which I realize yeah. is weird to say given given Rollins literally won the title in the main event of WrestleMania, do, but do you know what's you fucking know? crazy about this match that I, <laughs> I I realized after the bell they won the tag team titles? Dean Ambrose has the Grand Slam. Yes, yeah, he's won right. the Intercontinental, <laughs> United States World Heavyweight and Tag Team titles, which is fucking incredible considering for most of his singles run despite i think when he was in the shield most people were were most excited to see him out on his own it's incredible how little we care that he's accumulated the the grand slam this quickly yeah um mark they could have done something with him they could have done something really big oh i i totally agree i totally agree i was i was all in on that do you remember Big Dave, Big Dave Meltzer on Observer Radio at one point says, like, it, Ambrose is the guy. They could put the company on his back. It's just a matter of whether or when they will figure out how. I, um, I was with him street and, and yeah, some people same. some people some people now like to look back and say, Oh, that was so obviously wrong. I was like, No, yeah. it wasn't. That was totally yeah, true. Well, at, at the time it was it was it, it was it seemed obvious to everybody. That was that was it was not his fault. It was no shortcomings of his that, that yeah. he ended up where he ended I, up. And I I saw, I still resent them to this day for that. It seemed obvious from day one that he would be the one that would turn on the other two. Yeah. Um and they they went another way with Rollins, um, who I think we had all said, well, Rollins will kind of he he'll achieve just based on how fucking good he is. Um, but then obviously they saw the dollar signs in their eyes when they saw Roman and that was kind of the end of Dean being the star of that team. Because even if you watch back, like I've watched some of the the kind of the, the later Shield matches just before the breakup and you could tell there was a period of time about say two thirds of the way through the Shield run where Ambrose is very much put to the the, the kind of like the, the background as the star of the group and Roman is pushed more and more forward. Um, when their priorities kind of shift, but uh, Mark, what did you make of this match? Uh, I I really love the bar as a team. I I I love them. Yeah, but, um, it, here they've um, Sheamus and Cesaro. They've definitely taken what was uh, a pretty kind of pointless best of seven series last year, and they've definitely run with it. Um, you know, this is uh, probably like one of the better runs of Sheamus's uh, career. Uh, like yeah, it's the most I I can remember being into him in a long, long time. Yeah, it's not you know you, for the most part, she, uh, Seamus. I was going to say Shizara, but uh, Seamus. The I I'm invested in watching his matches. You know that hasn't always been the case. There was a time where it, it felt like it was him and Orson every week, and I was like, "Yep, I'm not watching this." Uh, but the match was fine. Um, I think that somewhere down the line, I I think this will. Uh, potentially be the catalyst for an Ambrose Hill term because it's the one thing we haven't seen in the main roster from Ambrose yet. And I will be very excited for that. And here's the thing, right? So again, to harken back to the days of FCW, like one of legit the best matches I've seen in a, a WWE produced ring was uh, Rollins and Ambrose had a half hour Iron Man match. And it was yeah. fucking incredible. Uh, and like Ambrose as a hill um is i i think more engaging just more interesting and i think oh dude the 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 ambrose regal angle from down there exactly and and like seth obviously his wrestling style plays more to being a baby face so i think somewhere down the line that 
uh, they might go in that direction and I would yeah. be all for it. And I think that could be the thing that will uh, kind of fix some of the damage that was done with the singles runs of both of these guys over the last mm -hmm. two years or so. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm fine with them being champs the next six months or so because, uh, like... I think they they'll really good do really good for the tag division because uh, like there's a lot of big lumps and big single wrestlers at the moment and there's not a lot of space in the the upper mm. echelon of uh, the heavyweight division so yeah put them as a tag yeah. team. Uh, AJ Styles defeated Kevin Owens for the United States Championship uh, with Shane McMahon as a special guest referee. We already talked a bit about how this was kind of a, a lackluster feud, so we won't really get too much into it uh, except to say this is probably the one of the better matches so far uh, and as a lot of people are saying was probably as good a match as you could expect when the the overriding theme of the match was to get Shane McMahon over as the referee. Um, I thought there was so many kind of spots for referee shenanigans just to kind of go, oh, look, Shane McMahon, Shane, he's a cool guy. And uh, to build towards that um, that uh, Shane Owens match that, as Barry said earlier on, is, is a very interesting prospect, potentially. Um, the WWE Championship, Jinder Mahal, defeated Shinsuke Nakamura, which before this year was would have been a very strange sentence to say out loud. And it's, it's still, still yeah. <laughs> it's still quite odd. Um this was a nothing match to me. Um it it is clear that until someone very special comes along, uh old Shinsuke isn't gonna be putting on the uh the the working boots in too big a way. But I suppose as in fairness to him, as as Mark alluded to with, with Jinder earlier on, there's only so much you can do with Jinder. Um Yeah, th thoughts on this match, J Jack, did you see this for what it was? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I saw it. It it it, it was the nadir. Um, I think of Shinsuke's career in WWE so far so I think they really need to do something desperately now maybe put him in a feud with somebody that can work as you say have a few good matches build him up again I think everybody who's anybody wants to see AJ versus Nakamura as the headline for SmackDown title on WrestleMania next year, I, I I think everybody would love to see that, just because of like what it means and the fact that it's a rematch of that incredible New Japan match. But I, I mean, it looks like they've got a long way to go with him. And as for Jinder, like I mean, he's is, is he's, he the worst uh, WWE he, champ they've had ever? Jack Swagger, um, but yeah, he was like, he was world champ. He was world champ. Um, also, oh, oh, like, even oh, though he oh, was... Oh, I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> like, who cares about which belt it yeah, is? Yeah, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I'm, hey, but I'm you still know saying what? Jack Swagger is a better wrestler than Jinder Mahal. Yeah, he is, but like, I, I, oh, will I agree with that at Jinder least. Mahal, though. Yeah, I will, I will at least agree with Jack in as much as that, um, at least Jinder is being booked like a champion in some respect. Sure, you know I'll what I mean? Because um, I was also going to say, even though he's uh, like an infinitely better wrestler, the, the Rey Mysterio title run back in the day was uh, much more pathetic because at no point did he come off like a champion. I, I'm just talking in terms of actual yeah, Vince... ring talent. Is he the worst like heavyweight champion they've ever had? Uh, oh. I mean, he he was he was an infinitely better wrestler in general, but Big Boss Man's reign was pretty horrendous. Um, 
Wait, but but again, he, he had a, he had a he, big boss man heavyweight champ. Oh wait, wait, was he? By the way, no, oh, no, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting confused. I'm thinking I'm thinking of his his feud for the title with oh, Big yeah. Show. My bad. Yeah, with my Big Show. Yeah, oh yeah, Big Show's title run. That if, first one. Was if you're saying in ring, by the way, Ultimate Warrior might be up there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. But he had he had the excuse of being the ultimate fucking warrior, you know. So, yeah. like, oh yeah, he, he, I mean, he, like he, as a personal. Yeah, but 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 I mean, yeah, Jinder's. I mean, Jinder's horrendous. I mean, he really he really is terrible. <laughs> yeah. mean... Oh my! God. I I have the uh, like I very rarely mute people on Twitter because that is not the the kind of thing I do. But like any account I follow who have been kind of getting on the bandwagon of the ironic Jinder love, I just can't do. I can't do it. No, I could. Like, I could do it. Also, I, like, sorry, I get the I get the the ironic fandom. Like I was well on board with the kind of ironic love of the Big Breakfast for a while. Yeah, but right. The the gender thing is is another level because at least with the with Big Breakfast, you could see there was things to enjoy comedically about him. And he once yeah. told Uha Nation to go back to Ring of Honor. And yeah, yeah, that's that, exactly you know? what I was. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was Plus, yeah. I mean, so the, you could see where that was coming from. But yeah, this, Plus, this breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So <laughs> <that's> <laughs> I mean, this... with this with this match, it's like they had their like like subpar house show match, and then Jinder like messed up his own finish. Like couldn't even do his move he's been doing for the last you know however many months since he's been back. I mean, God, it was God, it was bad. Yeah, and at least during the the Orton feud, uh, the the Orton Jinder Mahal matches were good for at least one Singh brother nearly dying. So this I love the Singh brothers. By the way, the Singh brothers are so much cooler than Jinder in every possible. Oh yeah, the fucking Hindu commentators are so much cooler than Jinder. My my favorite thing about the whole Jinder run is that anytime Jinder does like a backstage promo or anything like that, just always watch the Singh brothers and the. The just the loving admiration in their eyes, like it's a real kind of reminds me of Patterson and Briscoe when they'd when they'd look at Vince, just with a kind <laughs> of just this abiding love and respect and awe of the man. It's it's fantastic. There's people that's, being that's copying up that show. and doing close up gifts of the Singh brothers, just like dusting off Jinder's shoulders and looking at him. It's it's fantastic. Um, but Jinder, yeah, Jinder is absolute fucking trash. To be what honest, what is what is the end game here? I, and obviously, like the whole point of this is one point three billion people is yeah, the end yeah, game, yeah. and they've had they've had the coverage <laughs> and they've had ESPN interviews and whatever. But like in terms of where does this title reign end? Who who does he lose the title to? AJ. When does he lose the title? That's the key one. When the fuck does he lose the title? I would say AJ Survivor Series would be my guess. He sounded so desperate then, Mark. When does he lose the title? <laughs> All right, no, and, I, would, I would guess we're stuck with this until Survivor Series of the earliest. Does AJ get a minimum of four-star match out of Jinder? Because they had one on TV and it was... Uh, Bad. Dude, dude yeah. got like a four, four-and-a-half-star match out of middle-aged Shane McMahon, so... <laughs> yeah, but Shane can still do his gimmicks. He you know what I mean? It's like... Press. Come on. He <laughs> He could do his fucking yeah. backyard spots, you know. He could. Jinder can't. Uh, the only good thing about Jinder is the Singh brothers and and that bit at, for thirty seconds at the beginning of every match where they cut to the the announcers, his native announcers who talk about who just talk about one point three billion, and then also the bit on Twitter after his matches when someone posts the audio of those guys reacting to him winning. Those are always the best bits of every yeah. wrestling pay per view now. Uh, the reaction to the Kali. Yes. Oh that my was God, watched. that was so yeah. good. Uh, at least at least someone's enjoying it. You know, so um, 
Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, based on their TV match, I don't have high hopes for an AJ Jinder program. But I mean, it's AJ, so you never know. He might pull it out. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, the unofficial sequel to the Monster Match Battle Royal from ECW yeah. all those years ago. <laughs> Brock Lesnar defeating Big Strong Lad, Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe for the WWE Universal Championship. This match was, and I mean this in the best possible way, a fucking car crash. Just a mass of humanity smashing the piss out of each other. It was great. Jack? Yeah. I mean... A man threw a fucking office chair at another man as <laughs> an not even Not even man. for the first time. <laughs> it's his spot. <laughs> uh, it, it literally looked like what it, like if I picked up like a spore and pitched it at somebody as well. <laughs> Just like In insane. The ease. Blue, the f- man. There was, I can't remember who it was. There was somebody whose like tweet right after was like dot dot dot. Did you see the fucking distance he threw that thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was the it was the steel steps when he like with with I no mean, effort at all threw the steel steps twenty feet. I'm really hoping at TLC we get an <laughs> office chairs match. <laughs> it would be amazing. That would be that would be the best uh, follow up to that ch- one chairs match that was terrible with the Big Show's giant chair all those they, years um, ago. Bar- they, really, they, they really have an interesting. This is the one main roster super positive thing I have to say about WWE is that they really had in the last few months and Joe Lesnar was the first big um, flag for it. They, they kind of have drifted away from the traditional heel face divide, which yeah, it's just, it's just a bunch of horses now. It's a bunch of big lads who are all fairly popular except for Roman, but even he, you know, <laughs> even even he, I mean, they, they really... They're, they're all fairly popular except the one they really want to be popular. <laughs> but to their credit, they have, they've leaned into it a lot more. I remember after the Triple H main event that we were at, God love us. Oh, um, fuck's sake. He, he came out and he did kind of a tweener promo, but then, like, that was just for the Raw after Mania crowd. The next week, he was back to just being Roman, and they didn't stick with it. Whereas this year, post the Undertaker match, I think they've really stuck with the idea that he's an arrogant character. He's not a heel explicitly, but he's also really not pandering, and he's really playing it down the middle. They've really made a character out of what was originally the whole I'm the guy phrase. They've stuck to it, and I I really like it. I really, really like it. And then you've Joe, who's also very similar. Again, if if Roman is kind of in the center, skewing slightly towards the face, Joe is skewing slightly towards the heel, as is Brock. Yeah. By, by um, the way, can I can I just say, sorry to cut across you there, Barry, that, no, that no. segment that segment of Joe running down Roman and Brock on the mic uh, a few weeks back uh, is probably the best thing on Raw in months. Yeah, Damn it. Was I, I was going to make incredible. that point as well. <laughs> it was fucking. I love Joe I, so much. Joe is, I don't know about any of you guys, but at this point in his career, Joe is absolutely at his fucking peak of the guy that he's ever been. Like, obviously, he's always been a great in-ring performer, but I don't think I've enjoyed much just as a guy. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. Barry, you were saying there? Uh, No, no. I I mean, I was just saying basically that they're, they're all being pushed well and they're not going for a particular... Um, you know, heel face divide. They are just four uh, characters, um, uh, uh, and they're letting the fans do what they want with them, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And, and often, I mean, the the shades of gray line has been thrown out 
for 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 years in wrestling, and oftentimes it was used as a crutch. People like Russo would allege they were they were going for shades of grey, but it was just bad writing. And then the the result was that people didn't care at all because you didn't give them reason to. But WWE they have they have walked the line and they've got some tremendous results out of it. So um, yeah, this I mean this match was awesome. This was just dudes killing each other and throwing each other around and smashing things and and um, yeah, it was it was tremendous fun. Is this something to sorry? I just wanted to say, is this something to this like idea that um, we for years now have been like, hey, we you know we're not fussed about big wrestlers. We just want work rate. We want you know the smaller wrestlers to get a chance. And yet this match with the four biggest wrestlers on the roster, arguably, I think mostly, uh, and this kind of push of Big Strowman that has. Uh, been taken to with a pretty positive reaction like is there something to this which is just really fucking weird that makes no sense whatsoever or is it just that you know braun Strowman is actually very entertaining uh and we should just get on board and enjoy it for what it is yeah well that's what i was gonna say as a final thought on uh on this match is like i never thought that i would make a complete 180 on, on old frosty the strowman i am super into him now and i really really am excited for Strowman and brock to beat the fucking shit out of each other at uh at no mercy now guys i i gotta say you know like you were just saying mark about we like the smaller technical wrestlers and stuff like that has have any of you guys seen uh travis banks versus keith lee from the last program yes. show <laughs> right i i, I, I think- him I'd, doing the him doing the suicide dive and Keith Lee just catching him like a baby is one of the scariest things I've ever oh, seen in my I, life. I I have seen the gif of that. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Right. I love Travis Banks. I think he's one of my favorite guys at the moment. He's one of those it guys. But when I saw Keith Lee do what Dave just described there, I was like fucking just this guy i love him like he's amazing when you see somebody of that size as well who can move around the ring the way i was like strowman is a pretty agile guy for somebody that's basically bigger than the fucking statue of liberty oh it's fucking ridiculous the kind of freak athlete he is yeah absolutely yeah so there is that level of spectacle but, you know, as we've established here with, like, Big Breakfast and Big Cass and anybody else with the who needs the suffix big except show, maybe, because I like him and always will. And E. Uh, sorry? And E. Big E. Yeah, Big E. Annie. Yeah, but he, 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 he's a different guy, though. I think he, he's not a guy that they ever really let do that. He's way too much of a goofball. Um, he's a and he's better of off big. as a goofball. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when you see somebody like who can do a lot of the things that a smaller guy can do and they're huge, it's always going to be main event level. It's always going to be that much more impressive because it's like it, it's the same with any sport, though. Like you same Bolt, like he's, you know, four, five inches taller than all the other sprinters and he can run faster than everybody else. And that makes it way more impressive to watch him do it. Like if he was just, I reckon if he was a shorter guy, it it wouldn't be as compelling. But when you see somebody with insane athleticism who also has size packed in it, that is the total package. And I think that's what Strowman can be. And I, I just think the only thing that hurts what Strowman could be is as we've already alluded to, that the product is a little bit cold at the moment. So it'd be nice to see him 
carry on and down the path that he's been doing and, and see if he can become a big deal with the title, I think. Um, we'll, we'll move on now away from WWE and, and just wrap up with a couple of kind of outside WWE things. And the first one, I'm going to shoot to Mark for his uh, his Puro corner here. Uh, we had the, the G1 Climax Tournament. Uh, Tetsuya Naito uh, being the winner, arguably the best wrestler in the world, not named Kenny Omega or Kazuchika Okada. Mark, uh, I want you to hit us here, us less experienced Japanese wrestling fans, with uh, a couple of brief highlights, some matches to check out if someone has missed the G1. Well, I climaxed many times, let me tell you. Um, this was a... That's oh, fucking harrowing. This was a <laughs> hell of a tournament. Uh, for my round about 10 euros or whether the uh, currency conversion to yen is uh there, there's not a better sort of 10 euro euros i've spent for any kind of wrestling product in the span of a month uh in probably forever um I, other than i think two days i've watched every day uh, of the g1 which is a fucking feat in itself let me tell you uh, you do get a bit of fatigue going towards the end, but the last three nights at Sumo Hall uh, for the last couple of years now have been just, uh, just fucking incredible. I mean, the, the opening night you had Ibushi and Naito damn near kill each other, including a second rope uh, pile driver from Ibushi to Naito that just <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw the gif of that. Oh, my word. Scared me. Yeah, and then throughout the tournament, like... Just so many different stories, and like it's amazing with New Japan, like WWE and Vince McMahon talk about talk about how oh, we're a uh, we're a company that we do stories, and it's like well yeah you kind of you do, but you're a bit on the nose about it. You know New Japan do all their stories in the ring, and it works and it's effective. You had the uh, the kind of retirement tour of Nagata, his last G1, and how that played out, and him just fucking going out there giving it all. Uh, Juice Robinson, there's this pluck, plucky underdog. Uh, in a way that New Japan do so much better than WWE. He had a great tournament. Uh, Koto Ibushi just being the fucking maniac that he has, uh, he is. Um, and, you know, he'll go and piss off and set some fireworks on himself for the next six months until the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Ishii still being just probably the, 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 the best and most underrated wrestler in the world. And that will long may that continue for the next couple of years. Uh, Zach Sabre- God, not for me. Well, I mean, not for, for me as well. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. entering his first tournament and making a great showing for himself, uh, just being a proper cocky prick. And he's... I, think it, I think it was uh, Alan Farrell pointing out on Twitter recently, like, that guy, Zack Sabre Jr., is having, like, a sneaky, incredible year yep. everywhere he goes. He's yep. having just fantastic matches. And it, like, it kind of feels like it might be a bit weird because he is very, very lean, um, but he just has a way, the way that he wrestles, that because it's so different to everyone else, that he does stand out, and he, you know, he fit right into that tournament. Um, Him beating Tanahashi. Yeah, and it was a great, mental. great match. You really kind of set him off on getting that opening victory, or that's the kind of thing that happens with Tanahashi. He usually loses the first match. Um, but those two will have uh, a rematch for Tanahashi's IC title at Destruction, so that will be good. And then, yeah, just... Uh, oh, and Toriano versus Kenny Omega was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Just five-star wrestling um, and, you know... Equal parts, it was five stars and equal parts, the the Carney show that is five-star wrestling in the UK. You can probably take bits of that. Um, and then, yeah, just the last three nights, you know, the, the, the amount of stars that were thrown by Meltzer were ridiculous. Uh, Omega and Okada 
uh, how they had their 26-minute sprint, I think it was, considering, you know, everything that they've been doing for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I would, if I'm showing someone wrestling for the first time, probably would start with the dome still, even though that is about a 45-minute match. And the fact that you're calling, like, a 26-minute match a sprint is a bit absurd, but, you know, just it, it is with those two in the way that they wrestle. Like, Kenny Omega just he puts everything into it when he has to. Like anyone that bitches and moans when he's wearing uh, the, the house show tights, like th th there's a reason for it. You know, when he needs to go, he fucking goes more than anyone else. Um, and him and a card is just, yeah, like the three matches they've had this year, the, the, there's no trilogy um, in my lifetime. You, you could argue steamboat and flair, but you know, that is, that's two generations before my time. The, you know, this is my flair and steamboat now. And uh, and then the the last match, uh, uh, Omega and Naito, just throwing everything that you can possibly throw. Um, again, like the amount that they fucking had done for a few weeks going before to put that kind of match on, uh, just incredible. I can't remember which one it is that Meltzer gave five and three quarters, but you know if you if you, I was saying to Dave the other night, I always need to know what a hundred dollar bit of steak has to taste like you, you kind of need to know what a five and three quarter star match looks like <laughs> you just you have to see it for yourself uh yeah just a fucking incredible tournament if you have any kind of fatigue on wwe and you just want to see some good wrestling there's no reason not to sign up for a month and just experience anything from the last three nights of the g1 uh just to round off the show and, and end on a kind of like uh what we'll be we talking about on the next show sort of note i have in front of me the the lineup for the PWG's Battle of Los Angeles 2017, which is taking place over the first weekend in September and will probably form a little bit of what we'll be talking about on the next scrap up when we come back in a couple of months. Um, but I just want to kind of, I'm going to run down the, the, the lineup here, the matches we've got in the first round, and uh, I'll shoot to each of you for a couple of predictions about maybe uh, a pick of uh, the first round matches or who you think is going to go deep in this tournament. Bola is definitely always one to watch uh, on the independent wrestling calendar every single year. The first round sees Brian Cage versus Desmond Xavier, which is going to be quite interesting. TK Cooper, Sammy Guevara, although not so much anymore, I would imagine, considering... No, uh, he had an TK operation on his knee today. Yeah, um, and I would guess the prognosis puts him out of there, so I would be interested to see who, because only reading that now did it occur to me that he's probably going to have to be replaced um, and I don't think he has been yet officially. Uh, not that I know of anyway. Um, Ray Phoenix, Ray Horus, uh, Donovan Dijak uh, in his goodbye tour from the Independence, taking on Trevor Lee. Flash Morgan Webster versus Marty Skrull, the winner of last year's tournament. Jeff oh. Cobb, Sammy Callahan, which will be a, a smashing affair. Uh, Matt Seidel versus Penta L0M. Matt Riddle, Michael Elgin, uh, Jonah Rock, Zach Sabre Jr., Mark Haskins, Travis Banks, Flamita Ricochet, and Keith Lee, and Big Daddy Walter. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> I already know what my favourite match of that's going to be. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go to Mark first, because uh, Barry is experiencing some technical issues, and we, we'll hopefully be back with us shortly. Uh, I, you know what? I haven't really thought too much about this year's bowler. Um, I think partly because because you don't get to see the the, the PWG shows until what well, sometimes can be a couple of months until afterwards. I think um, I think that's part of the reason why I'm just gonna just wait until the results come out and see 
if they say, hey, Night 2 is like a great show again, and then at that point I'll get hyped up about it. Yeah, well, Night 2 is actually going to feature the the, 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 the long-awaited return of Kenny Omega to uh, Reseda, which is going to be quite something. Um, but that's in a non-tournament. That that will be the the kind of the the main event of night two. I imagine it's him in the books, isn't it, against somebody? Uh, probably. It's usually when he's uh, wrestling anywhere else. It's him and uh, the Bucks because again, kind of going back, like he works so hard that it, it's not unreasonable that he goes into a six-man tag just to try and not to say that he completely slacks off. Far from it. He's not doing a Nakamura. Um, but yeah, and to be fair, like the six man tags that I've seen with him and the Bucks, they're always uh, highly enjoyable. Mm. Um, one of the guys I want to talk about here for a second, um, who is making his PWG de- debut and is currently on his uh, his tour of America and is slowly one by one blowing people away who had not been kind of up to speed with the European wrestling scene is one big daddy Walter who is just, I think, like, as a lot of people who who follow WXW specifically, but kind of European wrestling in general will tell you, Walter has been incredible for as long as anybody has heard of Walter. But something about the last year or so, uh, perhaps since himself and Axel Dieter Jr. got together and started running roughshod in WXW and then coming over to Progress, um, he is just kind of gotten on everybody's radar in a bigger way he's had some incredible matches i saw him do just incredibly violent things to Ilya dragunov in, the, in that 16 carat final and he had he just had a just a whopper of a tournament start to finish um killed matt riddle uh in, in a match there and in progress as well um jack you're a guy who's seen the, the big man Walter live on, on occasion. Are you looking forward to, to him making an impression here at PWG? Yeah, absolutely. Like if you look at the guys they did take from the uh, ring camp, you know, they took Thatcher, they took Dieter, they took the two guys that probably suit WWE the, the most, but they didn't take the best guy. The best guy is clearly Walter. He is and just an incredible wrestler. Another guy who's like a big guy who can move around. And it when his chop whole venue will feel it like it, it reverberates. And I just can't wait for him, him and Keith Lee to just get out there and just start absolutely hammering the shit out of each other's yeah. chests. Because I, I, would... I think they don't even need to like they don't. Everybody you know pulls out the the big moves and stuff for PWG, but I think those guys could five minutes. They could just work on strikes and chops and kicks and punches. Volta yeah. is one of those guys that everything that he does, he makes you buy in. To, to what is happening so if he has a match of a smaller guy who's like running around and is quick he he makes you buy that that he's actually gonna be in a bit of danger from this person and he can't handle it whereas he, he can do that with everybody he's such a good complimentary worker i don't think there are many guys out there on the indie scene at the moment that don't just make themselves but make their opponent look as good as Valta does. And and that's the biggest compliment I could pay him, I think. Uh, Barry, is is there anybody that you're looking at in this bowler lineup or any match that that's sticking out to you? Someone you're looking that might run deep in the tournament or a first round match that has you thinking you're going to check this out? Uh, in terms of checking it out, I mean, I don't really know. I bought last year's DVDs. I haven't 
I haven't even started them. I bought the shows oh, leading up to it, it was, as well. It was, a, it was a good year. Oh, I'm sure it was. I mean, I don't doubt it, but it's just uh, the effort. I really, I just really <laughs> struggle to, to care about PWG anymore, which is a shame because it was my thing a couple of years ago. But I think it's when you, when you get the three Blu-rays or DVDs in one go, it's a big commitment with so much wrestling out there to try yeah. and and especially when like i know it's the thing every the stick everybody beats pwg with but when you have to wait until like it'll be nearly two months after the fact before you get the the, the blu-ray um where you already know the results and because it is so hard to get and so long has passed it's not really like a, a hugely relevant show anymore in terms of what's going on on the indie scene i think it is it's a bit difficult to to make that investment of time yeah, but, you know, it, I'm sure it'd be great. The talent, look, I mean, it's it's the biggest super in the tournament of the year. It, it blows away everything else, even even stuff like 16 Carat and Super Strong Style. They have the, the creme de la creme. They really do. Um, uh, and, yeah, I mean, as as you guys were discussing, I mean, Falter is, is incredible. I, I'm excited to see him live next year in, well, hopefully next year. I mean, I'd imagine so in 16 Carat. Um, and I think, I think... The the show is his to steal. I mean, I know a lot of people, including you know Alan Forrell, has been singing his praises for as long as I can remember. Uh, Walter is a guy who people have just been waiting to get on different platforms. I think part of it is is he has a good setup in Germany. I know he he, he trains people at their school and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he, so it's not he like, runs the school. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so it's not like it's not like he's out there trying to get bookings and he's just not getting them. I think he has a good setup, but he's he's finally branching out. He's done some incredible stuff in progress. I still think one of my favorite matches of the year was a match of his in progress. So, so he's getting out there, and I think he's just. I mean, PWG is just a gigantic stage, so he's he's gonna wow some people, obviously. By the way, that that Kenny Omega match I couldn't think of was Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against uh, the team of Flamita, Ray Phoenix, and Pentagon. <laughs> Which will be oh, oh that's gonna be madness. <laughs> I got, predict a flip or two. Guys, I've got a question about the young bucks. Where do you see them in say two, three years time? And what do you see them doing? Because right now, outside of WWE, those two are the hottest guys in, in wrestling. Yeah, I, I, I would also say they're I would also say they're probably making significant more significantly more money than WWE would be willing to offer them for uh, yeah. what would be a much busier schedule. You know, yeah, I'm, um, I'm guessing that, it, especially on merch, I'm guessing they're up there on merch at the moment. If they could yeah. negotiate their way to WWE, I don't think they'd be making as much money. But do we do we see them as WWE guys? Because I kind of almost feel like it's a shame that. You know, I, and and I'm sure they're doing pretty well for for themselves and their families and stuff. But it it would be a shame if we didn't get to see them on the biggest stage at some point, right? I, I definitely think they they are more than capable of having a good run if they ever went there. It's just a case of why would they? Like they very much seem like guys who are happy not being there. Uh, at least at the moment. And I think for me, and I'll pass on to the guys and, and see what they think, but for me, as long as the gravy train on the indies keeps rolling, like unless the bubble bursts, like we're, we're going through a real boom period with independent wrestling at the moment. And unless the bubble bursts in a big, big way, which if like WWE keep going in and, and scooping up like the, the, the top cut of people in, in some independent promotions may happen eventually. I don't know. 
Um, unless that sort of thing happens and the money you're getting for independent shows really starts to drop, uh, I can't see the young books being tempted anytime soon when like they're earning so much money and can set their own schedules. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I mean, of them and uh, Omega, like I'm, I'm about ninety nine percent convinced that Omega will not go to WWE at all. Like I think he's very much happy and content with Japan and wants to kind of grow with that. Uh, Uh, I I, I could see him going to WWE as kind of like a Nakamura thing where he knows he only has a you know a certain amount of years left in the body uh, that he's just going to go take it easy take the uh, the kind of the 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 big offer that WWE would probably table for him and uh, just not get beaten up as badly but yeah Uh, possibly I'm not sure I'm not I'm not entirely sure on, on that with him uh, with the Bucks, yeah, I think it's as you've kind of said. Like, if the the money stops rolling into the degree that it, it, it does, or that WWE just offer them some obscene figure, which I don't think will happen. Uh, I just I don't think there's any need for them to go. Yeah, like I can see why the Hardys went back because um, they were probably offered quite a bit of money. They're that bit older. Um, they don't want to be, you know, traveling all all around to the the Indies necessarily. And the idea that, like, at least with Jeff anyway, WWE have always liked the idea of Jeff as a singles guy. Whereas I think if the Bucks came over, you can't split up the Young Bucks. You you just can't do it. Yeah, uh, that, well, so, well, and, and you would need to you would like to offer them like competitive or superior money to what they're getting right now in the Indies. You would have to really start giving a shit about your tag division. Yeah, but they also that they they grow up as part of that system. You know, like with the Young Bucks, they've always been on the outside, and uh, I just they've done good in terms of you know Ring of Honor have signed them up and and offered them. I think. They're, they're, they're one of the, the higher paid acts in Ring of Honor, and I'm sure that Ring of Honor, with everyone else, you know, the floodgates have been open for a while now. Uh, they are desperate to keep hold of the Young Bucks because I, they are like a legit drawing act for that company. Um, so as long as Ring of Honor, they just they just draw wherever they, like they sell oh, their, yeah. the, the national stadium for OTT in the blink of an eye. Um, yeah, like them when and they came. them and Omega, any kind of combination of those three, like they will always draw wherever they go. And as long as that continues to happen, they're not going to WWE. Yeah. Barry, your your thoughts on this and then we'll wrap up. On the books, um, it's just very, very weird. I, I agree with a lot of what you guys said, but I, I kind of feel like they've done everything there is to do at this stage. Don't you? Don't, wouldn't you say so? I mean, that yeah, is true. Um, yeah. I know they're lobbying themselves to get moved up to the, the heavyweight tag division in New Japan just for a kind of breath of fresh air that they'd be against some new kind of combinations. Well, uh, for the sake teams. of that division, they have to just merge the, the junior tag and heavyweight tag titles. Like that that's a thing that's been needing to happen for a few years now. Yeah. Um but yeah, apart from that, I definitely agree with you, Barry. It's like if if they are kind of remotely oriented by you know what is there left to achieve i, I can see the, the the call from wwe being a little bit tempting to them plus, yeah, plus like they've they've done more to build up a match than wwe have done in a long time by this whole fuck the revival thing 
and like yeah. even now to the point so like wwe you know you're doing a good job when they take notice of you to the point where they're sending you cease and desists on on talking about ftr and fuck the revival like that is when you know because they probably originally like the whole point of the show was just to show off how hard it was on those guys doing all the traveling and i think it was cool to give the fans an insight but they spun it out from uh oh we're fucking knackered and we're on two hours sleep to a whole like storyline crazy twisty thing where adam cole has been murdered and people have been you know doing all sorts of poisoning and and this DMs. and that and passports and dms and yeah like <laughs> uh, uh they've got so much attention and, and garnered such stuff and like what doing with hot topic and shit like that like wwe must see that and think right these guys are red flaming hot at the moment like there must have been conversations going on surely well i yeah they like they tried to get a few going with the new day as well before um and like it would be amazing, like in an ideal world. I know WWE aren't the, the the old company they are. They used to be where they would ignore the indies. And in an ideal world, it would be incredible if they did like a one off uh, deal, like they did with Liger, to have the say like the books and revival on a takeover. But I don't see it happening. It, I I see it as being you either sign or nothing. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Liger is. Uh, he's on some kind of weird deal where he's like part freelancer i think i might be wrong with that uh so he's like he's, pretty much he's fucking liger That's he, he is, is fucking liger he, he <laughs> liger he, shows up wherever he fucking pleases his contract is just the word liger on it and you're like okay fair enough you are liger <laughs> are you liger <laughs> sign here yeah yeah um but yes an nxt show with like the new day against the elite that would be half interesting i guess that would be a thing or or, the, or just revival versus the books like it yeah would be... sure well i mean the revival yeah. need to be like you know uh, 100% between the two of them for more uh-huh. than a month. That's really unfortunate. That's that's really... Uh, yeah, I was yeah. so hyped when they showed up and it's just been really, really bad for them since two injuries, one after the other to each one of them. It's it's, it's rough. But guys, but, uh, maybe like they'll be injured long enough and they'll just leave and then somebody decides to book the Revival versus Young Bucks on an indie yeah. show and makes every single bit of all of the money. Indeed, indeed. Well, on that hopeful note, I think we'll we'll leave it at that for this edition of the wrap up. We'll probably be back in in a couple of months again once there's kind of sufficient stuff to to talk about again. We we don't do these too often, but uh, I'd like to thank the panel here, Mark, obviously my 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 faithful co-host as always, um, Barry and Jack. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, man. Once again, I very much appreciate you being on the show. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, thank you, thank you. It's, it's saluting, it's, saluting proudly as you did the outro. Indeed, it's 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 been a pleasure once again. We'd love to have you back when the, the time comes to do another one of these. I, I I do like the panel style setup that we got going on here. Um, and yeah, link to the cast.eu is the website at link to the cast on Twitter. Check out the uh, the main podcast we do on here, which is about video games every week. Uh, drops on a Thursday. Uh, I am at Dave, Dave Ryan IV on the tweet machine. Mark is at Lithium Project. Barry is at the Barry Lad and Jack is at Jack Lazell. Any more plugs, gentlemen? Barry, you've got uh, how, how's YouTube going for you lately? Oh, barely going at all. I've I've used the move to be very lazy, and I haven't um, <laughs> I, I haven't done much at all. But I want I want to get back on there soon. And me and my pal got got to do some Nidhog two on the air soon. Um, that's a game that yeah. deserves broadcast. It's a cracking game. 
Um, but yeah, youtube.com slash Barry Murphy led is my, my address. I, I, I haven't abandoned it. It's just been, it's gotten away from me recently, but I'll be back on there doing, doing more stuff. Real life has gotten I, in the way as it does from time to time. As it does. Yeah. yeah. I would like to plug Marcus Alonso's haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it's I knew glorious. there was going to be a, a Chelsea related plug here it, somewhere. Uh, sorry, but the hair is glorious. It's got like, it's kind of like deeper than frosted. Like it's just sort of dyed blonde with like a little <laughs> bit of the roots coming through. And it's like, it's it's shaggy and it's like got some lift in it as well. And he just looks, he just has a big grin on his face at all times. And, and people might think it's because he's being paid millions of pounds of snow. He just knows how fucking great his hair looks at the moment. Son of a My bitch. Actual, I, so confident was I that Jack was going to finish off this show with a plug for Chelsea that in the written notes I have on my tablet, I had written down for the plug section, Jack plugs the concept of David Lewis. So <laughs> there... <laughs> Oh, that's Living another great haircut, there. by the way. I, I, but I feel like Alonso, with his current, with the blonde in it, has actually surpassed David Luiz and now owns the best haircut of the team. So that's Chelsea. I don't even want to talk that. about football. I just want to talk about the haircuts. <laughs> and on that hot take, uh, this has been the wrap up. I've been Dave Ryan with uh, Mark Robinson, Jack Lazell, and Barry Murphy. We will see you again at some stage down the road. Bye bye.